When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. It is Saturday evening, your home for boxing. All the biggest stories uh, from the world of fight sports coming your way over the next few hours or so with myself, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. And boy, have we got a guest on the show joining us a little bit later on. It's going to be very, very tempting to just start shouting bomb squad down the uh, down the microphones. Uh, Deontay Wilder, the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, uh, will be joining us on the show. We're also going to be speaking to Dan Aziz after a fantastic uh, performance at the, the O2 Arena uh, on the uh, undercard last weekend to become Southern Area title. But I suppose we've got to start with the biggest news story of the week, and that is, of course, uh, all these allegations that were made by uh, Thomas Hauser, uh, a, a sensational writer, uh, Muhammad Ali's biographer, um, and, of course, uh, a man that was writing for a boxing scene throughout the course uh, of the week uh, this week on uh, the allegations that Dillian White has uh, has failed a test. Gareth, first of all, obviously you were uh, on the radio on Thursday evening. You kind of addressed a little bit of this situation. I know you've written articles uh, about it. We are obviously speaking ahead of Dillian White and his uh, team releasing a statement. So if you're listening to this, this is... Uh, obviously, slightly before uh, Dillian White is planned to uh, release his statement, we're going to speak to Deontay Wilder about it a little bit later on in the show. But your take on it, first of all, when you heard the news this week that Dillian White had failed a drug test, according to uh, the article that we saw on Boxing Scene. Yeah, I mean, look, it's an extraordinary thing to have happened for Dillian White um, at a moment where um, everything is right for him, weirdly, in his career, where he's been sitting for 600 days as the number one challenger for the World Boxing Council title held by the the very man we're, we're having in the studio today, Deontay Wilder. Um, and yet, 48 hours, 72 hours after the event, um, he's celebrating on Sunday, and a uh, boxing scene through Thomas Hauser, the biographer of Muhammad Ali, a very esteemed journalist, a playwright in Hollywood, um, a very respected figure in the boxing world who's written enormously um, kind of uh, celebrated articles, who's been in the dressing room with the very greatest over the last 20 years, is allowed in their dressing room mm-hmm. to, 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 be bi- but to be biographical almost in people's careers. He has leaked to him the 
revelation, and it is a big revelation. It is a really big story in boxing, and it has huge overtones and massive repercussions that the Boxing Board of Control in the UK and UCAD and the fighters' team were aware that there had been some kind of adverse test taken by UCAD that in which Dillian White was called to a hearing with a panel that represents UCAD in cases where um, substances that are not permitted have shown up in someone's body. And this was three days before his bout last weekend. That's what we understand at the moment. But, you know, and, and the, the, the huge outcry, and it's come from boxers in America, it's come from, come from fans all over the world, is if the Boxing Board of Control knows that, if UCAD are verifying that, even though it's an ongoing case, and it is an ongoing case, there's no action being taken, who has the right to sue here? Is it Oscar Rivas because he wasn't informed? Mm -hmm. Or if he had been informed, or if the board do tell the promoter, we don't think this guy should go ahead and fight, i.e. Dillian White, if he is posit if he has had a positive test, as is alleged, um, would they then be sued? Would the board then be sued? Would UCAD be sued if he was found not to have been... Uh, if he was not to be banned? Because everything prejudices the case so if they want to tell oscar rivas and he pulls out because that's happened um white is then under much more pressure from ucad because he's a man in the spotlight he's almost tried he's almost guilty before he's been tried if you like he's almost guilty and in many ways what this story through uh, through thomas hauser and boxing scene has exposed is deontay wilder um, even today, telling everybody, look at this guy, look what he's done. Everyone's weighed in on it. And Dillian White has had to bury his head under his lawyer's wings yeah. to fight his way out of this. As Eddie Hearn well, has said overnight, yeah. this guy is broken right now. Well, what we've heard from Eddie Hearn is that there was a hearing on uh, July the 17th. Dillian White went to that hearing. He's prevented ev evidence in that hearing and the board, the, that panel, whoever that panel was, have cleared him to fight on July the 20th. They're the facts from Eddie Hearn, uh, as you've said, on the internet, on, on various YouTube channels. We saw him giving interviews in Dallas ahead of the Mohawker uh, Ramirez fight, which is taking place in the early hours of Sunday morning. Here's my problem, right? Mm. Because there's too many people testing. There's too many people involved in, in boxing. If you go over to America, you've got state athletic commissions that are doing quite a lot of testings. You come here to the UK, UCAD do testings on behalf of the British Boxing Board of Control. This fight at the weekend was for the WBC interim belt. Now, because it's for the WBC belt, you've got to be signed up to VADA, which is 365 days a year, 24-7. It's their voluntary anti-doping. We know it costs money, and there's a key word in that that I've just said regarding their title, voluntary. It's up to you to sign up to it. It's not compulsory. It's for those fighters that want to compete for WBC belts, they have to be a part of that programme. Now, this is where my problem is. The relationship between the British Boxing Board of Control and UCAD is very, very murky. And I just think to myself that their relationship there where there's confidentiality clauses where UCAD do the test and then they initiate sanctions on behalf and they they basically say what is going to happen next. The British Boxing Board of Control have to adhere to what UCAD says. So they can't then get involved. They've kind of they've kind of signed the 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 rights away to have any influence of what happens next, British Boxing Border Control, at that particular stage. Because UCAD 
decide. Whereas VADA, which is different, they report findings. They report the findings back to the WBC. They'll report their findings to whatever state athletic commission. And then it's up to the WBC and whoever to make their sanctions, whatever it is that they see fit at that particular point of point in time. This is a UCAD thing. I personally will get rid of it. I would personally get rid of the whole of UCAD and we just go straight down the line and everybody has to go through VADA because I think the, the 365 days a year, 24-7, I think the way of going about business is the right way of going about business. My problem is that it's voluntary. I think it should be compulsory. Um, and I think the only way that we get to that stage is promoters, TV companies, anybody that's making money out of this sport has to get on board. And they've got to say, listen, you don't fight on our platform unless you're through VADA. It's as simple as that. And then for fans, for us in the media, for everybody else, we have a clear understanding of what the crack is. I mean, we went through a situation with Billy Joe Saunders where he passed a test in the UK, failed a test in America, and he loses his belt. How can that be right? That just because of a different part of the world has a different idea of drug testing in this sport, that somebody can lose their world title. We've got to all be on the same page, surely. Well, it's a very interesting argument, Adam. Um, also, of course... Um, uh, these uh, supposed or alleged substances that, that Dillian White may or may not have ingested um, are actually banned in America, but you can buy them in the UK. That So there's a whole range of substances yep. that, that I remember way back when, I mean, this is a skiing story, Alan Baxter um, got the bronze medal in one of the Winter Games. He was a downhill skier. And he had taken a Vicks inhaler yep. in the States that has ephedrine in yep. it, but it doesn't in the UK. So that just as a small example. The whole no, it's true. It's a mess because like you just said... And he on, wanted to clear his nostrils. You've got, you've got things on the VADA list which yeah. are allowed in competition, not allowed in out, uh, out of competition. And you, the same products, like you just said, would go through UCAD. And you look at UCADs and they go, no, it's okay here. How can that be right? It's not right. We need to scrap it all and go one one body. That's what we need. So everybody knows that's okay, that's not okay. Well, we've got we've got one body in the World Anti-Doping Agency, and that's they they are they are the body that all the Olympic sports, all the Commonwealth sports, um, all the sports in the world that, that are part of the whole Federation of World Sports take their guidance from and remember every year um you know the, the 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 parameters of what's legal and what's not legal change all the time of course yeah it's an evolving process um a surfeit of coffee was banned at one time yeah um you know back in the past but that becomes more confusing with the more does, people that it are it, it, it in on it no i think i think it's right that you have wada as uh, the governing, the world body for setting the standards of what is legal and what's not legal. Um, with with VADA, um, again, how big can VADA be? That's the problem. It's based in America. Yes. Um, Margaret Goodman was previously uh, working in the boxing world yeah, as, a, as a commissioner, I believe. I think she was maybe in Las Vegas. I, I, my mind escapes me right now, but she was involved in the boxing world. She's gone and she created a great organization that has great respect uh, from a lot of people. What happens to USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency? And remember, they were fundamental in catching out cycling cheats, yep. remember, at one time. And the UFC used them? The, and the, the UFC used those in America. Um, you know, um, I... I don't, I don't know enough about the relationship with UCAD. For example, um, I would like to know, I'd like transparency from 
I think transparency is the important thing because that's why I used the, the word murky earlier yeah, on because no, no, there's no, so no. many different. The opposite of transparency is definitely murky. Yeah, yeah. And and no, you are spot on. Um, but what I'd like to know is if that panel did meet. Um, the panel, the NAP, then the NADP, the National Anti-Doping Panel, that are a panel formed by an independent panel beside UKAD, mm-hmm. United Kingdom Anti-Doping, that hear independently the case of the of the boxer and, uh, with his lawyers and his team against what's happened and what the, the findings are of UKAD. I want to know who's on that panel, where and why. Yeah. I want to know the names of those people. I want to know the details of things. And it's a little bit... I think the regulations are wrong. I think there should be a duty of care yeah. to tell the, the opponent... It's a systematic failure. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. It's a systematic failure. There should be a duty of care to the boxer they're fighting because it feels like a cover-up. And is, it's not a cover-up, but it feels like one. Listen, people at this moment in time, without having privy to a lot of facts, are pointing fingers at everybody. Mm. Eddie's getting it. Dillian's getting it. The UCAD are getting it. All these people are getting it. And this is because it's a systematic failure at this moment in time. What we need to do is clean that system up first and foremost, and then everybody knows where they stand. We'll continue this conversation because it's massive. And it, obviously, you can tell with me and Gareth speaking about it, we're quite passionate about it. And I'm sure you are as well as boxing fans. You want transparency as well. No question about that. Next, we're going to speak to the WBC champion of the world. That's what we're going to do. Deontay Wilder's on the show. We'll get his thoughts on all this and obviously speak to him about his life and what have you. And then we'll probably revisit this later on in the show. So stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. D.I. Guess who's back? Uh, myself and Gareth with uh, the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay Wilder. Pleasure to uh, have you with us here in London, my friend. Thank you for having me. No, always a pleasure. It's great to see the bomb squadding or the squad bombing or whatever. How do, right. how, do we, how do we describe it? I mean, both. It, it, it's, it's both, however you, may, however you see it, you know. Um, but it, it just feels good, you know. It feels good to be here. I'm glad to be here, you know. You're really, really, I've seen you mobbed here while you've been here in London you won't have experienced it post Tyson Fury before because you haven't been over here. But since that fight, you are so well known here now. Oh, most definitely. You know, um, I, I've had a lot of fans here, but I even have even more fans, you know, after that. You know, the heavyweight division is just exciting. And I'm just happy to be a part of it and just be able to display my talent that I bring um, to it. You know, um, it's just amazing to see where the division has come from. Mm. It was in a dark place and now... There's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm just happy, you know. Myself myself and Gareth have been in the fortunate position of speaking to you like this and speaking to you on a fight week. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and it's quite obvious that there's two different characters there. Now, for people listening to our show, I just want to try and get that message across because I understand it. I understand mm. that there's a Deontay Wilder. There's a guy that's a, a father of eight and looking after all these kids on a day-by-day basis. But there's also the fighter, the bronze bomber. Yeah. And... Those personalities are very, very different, aren't they? It's, it's very different, but it's, and it's very real, you know. Um, I just thank God I know how to turn it on or off. Because if I was in bronze bummer mode all the time, I definitely, you know, I'd be a, a, a unlikable guy. You know, nobody would want to be around me because when I'm in that state of mind, I feel so different. Like, when, do, when, does, when does it take over? It's just, I mean, uh, it, started, it's, it starts in camp. And once we get in deep in the middle, middle of camp, start feeling that edge because just think about it every day i'm thinking about this one man day in and day out day in and day out 
day in and day out. It's just like being in the military. You're thinking about going and conquering. Mm. <laughs> this one with this one country, you're going and conquer something. You know, you got to defeat something. So we training all months and months of time with this one person to punch him in different points of his body to be able to knock him out. So with that being said, when you, when your mind is pounding and pounding and you putting that in your head <laughs> that you got to prepare for war, and I know the significance behind getting in that ring. I know the risk that we take to get in there. And I don't take it lightly because of my children. Yeah. That's why, you know, I go in there with that mentality, that mindset. And even sometimes I say some of the darnest things and mean it. Mm. But that's the realness of me, and that's why everybody loves me. They may not like what I say, but 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 they can they, you know they can deal with me because I know I'm real. It, well, you know, it's well, authentic, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, well, he's authentic. Well, well, what do your family think of the bronze bomber? Now, you obviously your babies are maybe a little bit too young to understand it, you know. But your your your, your girl and your your extended family, do they look at it and they think that's not my boy? That's he, that, that's not Deontay. They say he crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they say I'm crazy. They leave you alone. Yeah, they leave me alone. You know, they understand. You know, what I mean, when I'm in that state of mind, but uh, most of the time I'm only in that state of mind when it's when it's time for the. To fight, I've know. experienced it, Deontay. Don't yeah. worry, because I'm gonna have from about two inches away from me on press day in Los Angeles. I want you to tell Tyson Fury life on the line. Yeah, you hear me? You tell me his life on the line. I mean it, and I ain't playing around neither. Tell him what I see. <laughs> I was. About, I've got. I've got trauma listen, coming. Listen, I was right about now. ten feet away from that, and I was terrified. And you were looking at him. It was, it, 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 it it was, was just. Else. It was just that 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 energy going through me. You know, it was just. It was almost time to fight, and mm. you know, just the excitement and and the drilling rush, just ready to do this, and you know, you know, ready to go. Well, let's talk Tyson Fury because that is obviously part of your narrative now. We Correct. we were very lucky to be ringside for probably one of the best heavyweight contests Amazing. that we've seen for Thrilling. a long, long Thrilling. period of time. It was unbelievable, and yeah. now we know that there's a plan for a second one. Correct. This is what we want, isn't it? We want the best against the best. Almost definitely. You know, I always come out and shout out one champion, one face, one name. You know, and I think it's very uh, critical that the heavyweight division has that. I think it's going to bring it to the next level that we have one champion, one face, one name. You know, the heavyweight division is probably the smallest division that we have, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and for you to have one champion, the heavyweight division is consists of the best. Yes, this is the division. It's a go where goes the heavyweight, uh, where goes heavyweight boxing. So does boxing. You Correct. know, it's, it's true not, because it's, it's not just a boxing like, thing; it's a sport thing. The heavyweight you know I mean? champion is the, the man. man. He's the man. He's the when pinnacle Ali of sport. When Ali fought five million dollars was on the line for the very first time. It was regarded as the richest prize in sports, and Almost it's returned definitely. to that. Yes. With you guys, the three, four, five of you at the top at the moment, because there is global interest again. Yes, I mean the money is ridiculous right now. I tell you, and, and is it like monopoly money? It, well, man, are they just? Are it, they just if you want, if you want to throw some my way, mate, you're, hey, more, you're more than welcome to tell me out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling them the same thing. Throw it my way too. You, <laughs> you know? got a bit more hey. bling on you than the last time I saw you. Actually, well, I'm a little I reckon, light. You know? I'm a little light. You know? I don't know about light. Yeah, man. I you just... got that bling ring. You got the earrings. You got the nose piercing. You got the best <laughs> trainers I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm gonna get a pair. You feel so casting. 
Nah, I just, you know, I, I like, I'm a king, and I feel like I'm a king, you know what I'm saying? I treat myself that way. My, I, I am a king, you know, and uh, what, I what? like to wear new, nice things, but, I, you know, I don't really go overboard. My thing is is cars and property and yeah. stuff like that. You know, I like to invest as well, too. I got a great financial team. I got a great team in general, and we get to the point where I'm going to be able to live off the interest of my money mm. instead of just the money that I make. And that's, you know, and it's going to be a beautiful thing once it get to that point. You know, I'm very, 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 very smart. No matter what you see on the Internet or even on TV, I'm very smart with my money. And I know exactly what to do with it. What, mm. what I think a lot of fight fans have fallen for with you is an attitude thing, especially mm. the next two fights that you seem to have planned. Because... The Luis Ortiz fight, that was clinical. You knocked him out. I know that there's a narrative of the fight that yes. other fan, people might have an opinion on, but you won the fight. Mm. You've got the Tyson Fury one. Obviously, a draw kind of leaves a little bit of a taste in people's mouths where they want to see it again. They want to see a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I like the aspect that you have gone, well, hang on a minute. People think that Ortiz was beating me, but I ended up getting the job done. I'm going in again, and I'm going to prove to you this time that I'm the man. Yes. Then I'm going to go and take the other guy that I drew against and I'm going to show you that I'm the man against him as well. We are constantly speaking about our show, about not seeing the best against the best. The guys right. challenging themselves against the best guys. And I think that's what maybe a lot of fans have taken to you because you've come out and gone, all right then, you think I lost that fight? Let's go again. Let's go no, again. But, Run it but, back. But, but also to add to Adam's question, is it a bit weird, like psychologically as a fighter, to be having two fights in between fighting this other guy again. Because obviously you 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 banjoed Dominic Brazil. Unbelievable. And I do remember writing off that, and we both spoke about this. You are probably the most dangerous single puncher in the history of the heavyweight division, in the history of boxing. Yeah. But then you fight Luis Ortiz, and then you fight Tyson Fury. Psychologically, is that a strange thing to be doing? I mean, when you say you want to be the best and want to prove to the world that you're the best, I don't think it's strange. I mean, it's just me showing the world that I am the best. So let's bring back some dangerous fighters. Let's run it back again. You know, find Luis Ortiz, you know, they may call him old, but what top fighter? That has First six any rounds, of, he was giving you trouble. I know, I was yeah, there. Yeah, he was, he was giving you trouble. It's boxing. Styles may fight. Things can happen. He was very, he was very articulate. He was yes. very smart about what he did. You know, but so was your knew. uppercut at the end. Yeah, my, you know, it was a very challenging fight. And I love to be in challenging fights like that. But the thing, you know, and, and for me to be able to do that and I had the flu, you know, uh, it, it was amazing. But I love the channel that he had. So these guys at the top that has a status or has some type of standing, you know, in the rankings, they don't want to touch him. But they call him old. So I say it don't make sense to me. I'm like, if he's old... It's an easy touch-up, easy finish for you. Now you can put yourself in position, just like with the Dylan White situation. Um, I told Dylan, fight Ortiz, then you got me. You say he's old, this is easy. This is, you know, this is a touch-up for you. Then you got me. And then he, he didn't want to fight it. Didn't the, 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 the WBC mandated him to fight him. He still didn't want to do it, you know, so far. So he has so many opportunities. I understand. I don't understand why people don't want to fight him, but they are quick to say he's old, mm. and, and, and that is the reason. That ain't no well enough excuse. Ortiz is a skillful fighter. He brings a lot of value to the heavyweight division because of his skills alone. No matter, you know, I, I think he's the type of fighter that needs a big fight to get up off of because mm. his last performance of the court, he already had in the mindset. Ortiz loves a challenge. You know, the Cubans, they love a challenge. They're very, you know, in particular about what they do and how they do it, and they love challenges. And with Ortiz, he love a challenge. So not only I'm get going through going down his 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 neighborhood again, but I'm blessing him once more. You know, it's two things. Not only 
I'm really just blessing Ortiz. When's but, the date for that, by the way, quickly? Uh, maybe at the end of the year. You know, and that's the reason why I'm, I'm firing him, because I want to bless it's him. It's not decided yet. It's not decided okay. yet. We're still, we're still working on it. But it's it looking like the end of the year sometime. Okay. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll see what happened to that. Because I have ties with Ortiz, you know. Him and his, my daughter and his daughter, you know, he had a daughter with uh, skin disease, and my daughter was born with spina bifida. So that's the reason I blessed him the first time. After him test, um, uh, after his drug test, um, him alerting, you know, use of PEDs or whatever, I still came back and blessed him yep. because of the ties we have with our daughters. And Amazing. He's not getting big fights, so I want to bless him again. I know <laughs> I beat him the first time and I knocked him out, although they tried to say I had a rest. I've never been on a network that talked great about me. You know, it's always <laughs> what I'm not doing and what the other guy's doing, you know. You know, even on my work networks I work with, which is crazy, but, you know, I wanted to... You know, basically just give him this opportunity to feed his family and his daughter. Then we Lovely. move on to Tyson. Amazing. Just but knock him out in the process. Uh, yeah. Most definitely. Easier. Easier and quicker. Just, just a couple of things. We're going to talk family in one moment. You just mentioned PEDs. Now, you've mm -hmm. been on the receiving end, being in being in with fighters that have failed tests in the past. I mean, I remember you had a fight scheduled for Russia and that got pulled yeah. with Povetkin yeah. because yeah. of obviously him failing tests. We've had obviously a narrative this week that has come out. We're waiting for confirmation of various things uh, surrounding Dillian White. Mm -hmm. Firstly, what's your thoughts on it? I've, oh, man, re it's... I've read your Instagram, but what's your personal thoughts on it? Yeah, that was my personal thought. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just, it's been a, such an uproar with White, you know, talking about him not getting the opportunity, want people to feel sorry for him. And, you know, it's it's crazy when you the fighter, you know what's actually going on, and the people on the outside really don't, so they just stuck in between the two. So now you got to pick which one you believe. You know, it's kind of funny because I sit back with fighters, I'm like, you motherfuckers, <laughs> y'all will make up something. Like, fighters are some of the biggest actors, you know, and when he came, but all that uproar and to come out and, to test positive for for an old substance that 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 makes you incredibly strong, you know that's probably why he was so heavy. You know, it's it's just embarrassing. It should be embarrassing to him, and it's just sad for the sport once again, Spe especially due to the fact that we had two fighters to lose their lives. I mean, how many examples got to be set for until somebody do something about this? The bleeding got to stop somewhere, and for them to be able to, it was reported that. Uh, him, his team, and Matchroom, all of them knew about this three days prior to the fight and didn't notify his opponent's team nor the WBC mm -hmm. is crazy. And if this is so, they come back with that B sample, most likely is always come back positive. If they come back positive, they may be in for a massive lawsuit. Hmm. How do we clean this up? Do we have to go? Does, for me, my personal thoughts are there's too many people testing. What we need to do is make VADA not voluntary. Let's make it compulsory. Let's go down that route because that seems to be the best solution. But the thing about it is <laughs> when one drug come out, there's always – it's like you can't – when one drug – it's always the next drug coming out. Yeah. So when there's they, always when hybrids they, of things. Exactly. When they detect one, there's always something that's coming out, you know? And, and they have it in mind that they have to have this to help them – to reach the next level because everybody, nobody wants to stay in boxing forever. Everybody's looking for that golden ticket because mm. in boxing is one of the richest sports around. It, it's a it's a world where you can be rich. I mean, you can be poor one minute and be the richest man in the world. The well, next. well, you got involved to change your family's life, and you've done that now, man. Oh my god, you've done that. You know. That must, give, that must make you feel immensely proud. Forget the belts, but to yeah. look in your 14-year-old daughter's oh, eyes who suffers with spina bifida, yeah. to look into her That's eyes when you made her that story. promise. 
that you were going to change your life, and now I that you've did. done it, that must be unbelievable. So, ten times fold and more to come, you know. It's, it's, it's just amazing, man. It's just, you know, boxing is a, a brutal sport, but it can change your life forever. And that's the, I think that's the main thing that uh, we risking. You know, everybody looking for that golden ticket, yeah. you know. And sometimes, but, you know, sometimes it's, 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 we searching that to, you know, Get rich or die trying, you know. You've got eight kids. You're not going to have any more, are you? We don't need a full Deontay Wilder <laughs> soccer team, hey, do we? Is man, that what we need? i got a basketball team with three subs, man. <laughs> let, me, let me alone, man. <laughs> can I, can I, I know we've got to finish here, but can I just ask, what happened second time round with Tyson Fury? You know, many of us saw an extraordinary performance by him because he had to come back from an awful lot. Um, you were very light for that fight, and I understand you had flu before that as well that you never told us about. Mm. Yeah. Um, what happened second time around when the bell rings? Second time the bell rings, I knocked Tyson Fury out again, but even even faster. He's not going to get. He's not going to do an undertaker. He ain't getting up this time. Promise. I promise you. When I hit Tyson Fury, he had a concussion. He didn't know how he got. He didn't know how he got dropped, nor did he got up. That's a sign of concussion. His family don't want him to fight me again, and I understand they shouldn't because I am the hardest hitting puncher in probably history. Period. No, I think you are. You know, I'm Single blessed. Punch. I'm yeah. blessed. I'm blessed with the power. I just know where to hit you. I know where to hit you. And I will. And the people always think I don't have boxing skills. How do I set a person up if I don't have these skills? The setup with the jab, the setup with the right hand, and follow with the left hook. You gotta have some type of skills to understand those combinations. You know, I don't get enough credit for my intellect up inside the I ring. Agree. But it's okay though, because it allow the other people, the other team, the other side, not to be able to figure me out. If everyone is continue to say the same thing and not see the greatness inside of me, I'll never be def- I'll never be figured out. You Which haven't done I'm too bad so far. I've got to say yeah. that. Anyway, you know, forty one you know and know I mean? over forty KOs <laughs> now. Every man that's out in the ring had to go. Listen, that ain't bad. That listen, ain't bad. We've all been down. Sadly, yes. I mean, we could do this for another hour, but yes. thank you so much. Or a couple oh, of days even. Yeah, yeah. We could talk to you forever. Uh, it's so fascinating. I feel so comfortable, man. I feel like I'm I'm a part. I'm a part of the team. Thank you very much. You are. What I'm what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to make a pledge. I'm going to let Gareth do all the fight week interviews and I'll just do these ones. There when you go. You, when you're Deontay Wilder, that, I'll That's talk right. to you then. When you're Bronze Bomber, you can Listen, talk to him. I, I, did, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have any fear and i tell you why because we'd had the chat the week before about how he said he would take a male pill if he could and carry his children in his own stomach. <laughs> and no, and we, we hugged, didn't we, after yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, Because sure. I felt yeah. so touched by what you were saying and even when you were having a go at me as the Bronze Bomber, yeah. I thought, Mm, I don't think he's really going to attack me here, but I can tell that this is a different kind of. Oh, character. most definitely, I feel, man. I felt so different in that moment in time, man. It was, man, it was crazy. Well, let's Something go outside and reenact it. There you go. But, oh, don't, it but don't hurt me. Deontay. Hey, well, it ain't reacting then. <laughs> Deontay, thank you so much. You thank you. Mate. Thank you. <laughs> you listen to Fight Night on Talksport. <laughs> We're going to continue speaking about, obviously, the situation with Dillian White in a moment or two, but I just want to talk about everything that happened on the undercard, actually, because there's some highlights that we must speak about uh, from the O2 last weekend. I just want to come, first of all, to David Price beating Dave Allen. It was one of those fights where it was a crossroad fight for Pricey, no question about that. If he gets beat off uh, a Dave Allen, that's no disrespect to Dave. I think he's overachieved over the last year. But if he gets beat off a Dave Allen, then probably David Price's. Uh, announcing his retirement sometime soon, but he was punch perfect. The whole fight, he won every single round. He was absolutely sensational. Quite heartbreaking in the end to see Dave Allen pulled out uh, in the corner. And we've heard him on TalkSport this week, haven't we? Uh, Speaking about that particular incident. Um, And I kind of found it really refreshing to hear Dave Allen speak the way he spoke because we need more of that. And what it has taught me as a fight fan, 
and as a person that covers a lot of uh, fights, just to be a little bit more lenient when I jump on the quit bandwagon. You know what I mean? I mean, we've seen it many times. Lomachenko, my favourite fighter in the world, he's making people quit for fun. Is there any shame in that? I don't know. I don't think there is now, the more I think about it, because as you just said two minutes ago, it takes a lot of bottle to make the walk in the first place. When you get in there and you're taking a pounding, what's more important? Surely it's getting home safely to your friends and your family and, and, and living a healthy life. There's more to life than just boxing. I think we have to listen very carefully whenever fighters express things about anxiety, depression, headaches, um, mood alteration, um, um, feeling paranoia, um, feeling um, anything that affects their mental well-being. Obviously, their physical well-being yeah. is so important. We need to be more but empathetic is we what we need to do. We, we talk so often about fight sports, and this applies to both boxing and MMA, Adam, that they are, and fighters all say this, it is so mental, even to the point where people say it is 90% mental and that's the key for me and i think as time goes on and as we learn more and as we become more open about expressing our mental illness because we're all on a sliding scale somewhere you know we all have moments we all you know um i was speaking to rashad evans recently and he was saying that he was on the edge of the precipice with his career but at the same time, this is Rashad Evans, who was a UFC, UFC fighter, heavyweight yeah. champion, fought John Jones, um, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, Dan Henderson, Michael Bisping, a huge, and it's incredible, um, the array of um, of, of, um, of athletes he fought against. And, and I ended up doing a big story with him about mental illness in sport um, because he was saying that he was actually going through a divorce while his career was coming to an end. And he said it was like two breakups at the same time. Mm. And he felt on the edge of the precipice. So everything that's happening at home with a fighter, everything that's happening in their mind, to relay it back to David Allen, we have to listen very carefully. So do those around him by the immediacy of the things he said afterwards. Yep. Not the physical harm nope. particularly, but the things that he expressed straight away. And I, it resonates with me that he said, just a, just a tough guy gone soft, yeah? And I think I'm probably done. And that is what I think his team should be impressed on him. That's what it made you feel afterwards. Mm. No, absolutely. It's got, so serious. Um, as a result of that, you're going to hear a little bit from David Price later on in the show, so stick around for that. He actually speaks quite a, candidly about uh, uh, mental health, his own mental health and the battles that he's had in the ring as well. It's a cracking chat with Nick Pete, so uh, do stick around for that. The performance of the night for me, though, Derek Chisora, did not expect that. I'll be honest with you, I thought Spilker would cause him all sorts of havoc from a southpaw stance. Um, and Chisora rolled back the years. He had me on the edge of the seat. It was electric. I'll tell you something, it sets up a great knock that with Josie Parker, doesn't it? Do you know, I was sitting there... Um, he's not Del Boy anymore, is he? He's war, war, isn't he? Yeah. Well, um, and, and he was. He, he was... God, it was, I was worried for Spilker for a few moments when he went down very heavily sideways, having been... Looked like he was out and held up by the ropes. Um, I was sitting with Colin Hart to my right and Bubu Andrade Drade to my left, by the way. Uh, had a great night watching the fights with Andrade and he was behind all... You know, he was behind Dillian White, he was behind Derek Chisora, he was behind all the matchroom guys, of course. He's one of Eddie's guys now. The guy who, of course, took Billy Joe Saunders' title when Billy was affected yep. by that by that weird... Situation that we were situ- talking about earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Um, Colin Hart was to my right, and he went, wow, you know Colin talks. He was like, oh, Derek really looks like one of those old heavyweights of, of yonder yore, you know, the 100 years ago when Colin used to cover the sport <laughs> of uh, heavyweight. No, but he did. Um, he looks it's in a throwback. great shape. He looks in great shape now under David Caldwell. Listen, I want to say what a great job Don Charles did with Derek as well and was like a mentor and a big brother to him and all those things. And Derek, he had Derek, remember, when Derek was a very difficult fighter to handle, you know, when he was kissing fighters at weigh-ins and slapping Klitschko's and fighting with Hayes, David Hayes after um, press conferences. Of course, they're best of mates now, aren't they? And, and, and David cracks the whip and, and Derek turns up, whereas he never used to turn up. But he looked terrific. He looks physically, what is he, 36 now, Derek? Something like that. Mm. He looks physically in the prime of his life. Mm. Um, something's right about He's him. in a good mental place as well, and speaking he, of that. We've never seen him come out as bustling and as aggressive as that early in a fight either. I thought he was terrific. Mm. He was sensational. And some fantastic performances on the undercard. We're going to hear from Dan Aziz a little later on in the show. Do stick around for it. Uh, I just want to uh, quickly come back to, obviously, <laughs> The main event was was Dillian versus uh, Oscar Rivas, and we spoke in the in the aftermath of it. Dillian was fantastic. He was fantastic. He came through the fight. He was down. He, I thought it was his best boxing performance uh, of his professional career. But everything that's happened in the aftermath of that this week has kind of put uh, cast a massive shadow over that performance. Um, again, I just want to remind people listening to this show: this show was done before Dillian um, released his statement. We believe that he's to release a statement uh, via his lawyers and uh, and. and speak uh, about everything that has happened over over this week or so but what we um, are led to believe from Eddie Hearn speaking on uh, YouTube um, recently is that on the 17th of July he went for a hearing um, he was cleared in that hearing to fight on July the 20th that's what we what we know so far just to, here's a question for you Gareth right because according to everything that I understand nobody at this moment in time because we don't have any facts on what Dillian has done Nobody at this moment in time has done anything wrong at this moment. However, from listening to Eddie Hearn speak um, on that YouTube video, where he's talking about following the system and, 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 and the protocols in place, I personally believe that the system is wrong. The system has, has let a lot of people down in this particular case, and it needs cleaning up, no question about it. Does Eddie Hearn have a moral obligation? Forget the professional obligation and the, and the system that he's followed, because he's not done anything wrong that way. That way. But does he have a moral obligation to his fighters, to Oscar Rivas, to Oscar Rivas' team, to make, to give them um, understanding of what he knows at a particular time during the build-up to a fight? What, Eddie Hearn or, or Dillian? Eddie Hearn. Um, well, no, he doesn't have any responsibility to do that. Um, not, not by the regulations and rules. But ethically, but mo- but ethically and morally? Ethically and morally, I think so. Um... But he's caught in a 22, a catch-22, this is for him, because if he exposes it to the opponent, mm-hmm. there is no way on earth, and I, I've asked Deontay Wilder about that today, earlier on, uh, before we came on air with him. Um, I've asked Dan Aziz, who's coming on later, off-air about it. I've asked several other people, and th- every other boxer, every boxer I've spoken to has said to me, if you, I found that out, I wouldn't want to go in there with him. I would pull out straight away. Mm. So that's the reason that... But what about if something happens? I know, this is... This is, like you said, this is the catch-22. It's not a game of football, what, is it? What happened? It's not a cuddling match. It's not a game of tiddlywinks. And that's the problem. And they are heavyweights. 18 and a half stone man hitting you. Mm. You know? 
And we were thrilled over those 12 rounds. It was a brutal, grueling fight. No question. It brings... With what happened last weekend, and this is it didn't happen at the O2, but Maxim Dadishev, and obviously we've we've heard of, a, of another fighter as well that has lost his life uh, off the back of injuries sustained in the ring last weekend. It just brings the message around a lot closer because we've seen two lads lose their lives last weekend in the ring. What is it going to take in the world of boxing to clean up drugs? What is it going to take? I don't want it to get to the situation where we're, we're burying somebody. It can't get to that situation. We have to take a stance. We as broadcasters, people that are putting TV sh- uh, the TV money into this, because let's be honest, that's where the money's coming from. It's the TV companies. They've got to take a stance on this as well. Sanctioning bodies, promoters, boxers, everybody's got to get on board and say, this is what we want now for the sport. And that's the only way that we get to move forward. There's, um, just to mention him, the, the second death was the Argentinian boxer Hugo Santillan, yeah, who died five days after yeah. his fight with the Uruguayan Eduardo Abreu. He had a brain clot. Um, um, right. The obvious answer is um, if anyone tests positive for a banned substance, they are immediately banned for life. Yeah, That's the only way to get around it. Um, Off one. One, one fail. Well, the, the, I, I, my, know my thought, I know your theory is two and out. My, my theory is that anybody can make a mistake. That's where I'm at at this moment in time. So if you get done well, once, do whatever it is... Mistake or cheat? I think if we're talking... Is it the same thing? Is it, you know, is it... Um, no, I don't think it is. I think cheat, for example, if you're injecting EPO, like what we've uh, seen with TJ Dillashaw in the world of UFC and what we've seen with uh, Jarrell Miller, and that's the drug that Lance Armstrong got popped for. If you're proactively cheating like that, that's a lifetime ban straight away. You're out the game if you're proactively cheating. But if it's a tainted supplement, if you've made a mistake and taken, I don't know, a LEMSIP or something like that and got popped that way, that's a mistake. So therefore, that for me is a one to two year ban. You serve that ban, you can have one mistake. After that, you can't have another mistake. We're talking about, we're talking about a sport, like we've just been saying, where people are risking their lives. For example, the Canelo situation when he got done for clenbuterol. Are you, and he blamed it on meat, right, in, in, in Mexico. Everybody, every man and his dog, me and you know this because we follow UFC and it goes on all the time there, where guys are failing tests because of Mexican meat. We know that they're putting clenbuterol in the pesticide that goes on the grass that the cows are eating. Everybody knows that. So Canelo knows that. And are you telling me that a man that does 30 million a fight, because that's, that's what he's averaging, are you telling me that he can't fly meat in from anywhere in the world if he wants to eat a steak, or he can fly to anywhere in the world and, 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 and go to a different country and eat their steak are you telling me you can't do that so come on right there's this is legit now people have got to get serious about it we've got to stop brushing things under the carpet we've got to make proper sanctions we've got to say right one strike okay you made a mistake son two years out we'll see you in two years time you come back you make another mistake fool me once jog on right sorry fool me once okay fool me twice shame on me so two mistaken lemsips and that's life yeah 100 percent, because you know You've been done once. You have been done once. It is now your responsibility as a... a prof- brand of Lemsip and you've, you know... I know, I... Listen, different. me and you know full well through Varda. You can ring Margaret up, the person that set Margaret up Varda. Goodman, yeah. You can ring Margaret Goodman up and you can say, Margaret, just listen, I've got a cold at the moment. I'll be on the phone to her all the time. I've got a cold I'll at the moment. This is the situation. Yeah, yeah. I've got a cold. Yeah. There's a brand... This is the thing here can now. Bloody, bloody... inhaler. There yeah. you go, right? There yeah. it is. Can I use it? If she says no, or if she, I'll tell you what, if she says yes, then you're fine. Even if you get popped after that, because it's on her responsibility. She's okayed it for you. 
it's not that hard to pick the phone up and check that, is it not? There are, there are no, but there, there are. I think there are instances when um, you see, you've got to have you've got to have arbitration as well. I mean, you know, it's a it's a very interesting argument you put forward, but you you have to have when once you get into the minutia of um, um, you have to have arbitration over because some people are allowed i don't mean off but they are not convicted and suspended over certain things because you your case needs to be heard because you can you know if you've got if you take whey or protein for example yeah and it's contaminated yeah or you've got to be able there is a procedure by the way if people don't know this that you're meant to keep the labels of everything you take as a fighter well here's another thing for you right in in the world of ufc that we cover usada they have a list of supplements that fighters are allowed to take so therefore they're okay they've been given the green light yeah they might have been but but there i spoke to michelle verokin who's the best i think the best drug star in the uk used to head up sport england's and uk sports uh, UK and the version of UK anti-doping as it was, and she's got her own company now, um, Sporting Integrity. And um, she's, I've done stories, big stories before, saying the perils of taking just supplements for fighters or any athletes, that there are definitely contaminated... Yeah. Definitely contaminated well, that's it. supplements this is made why, by the manufacturer. 100%, because they you want know. the not average Joe to go in the gym, feel big after a good session, drink the drink and go, oof, I'll, I'll keep buying this, because it's got steads in it. We know that. That's what. That's how, they're, that's how they're doing their thing. But if you're a professional athlete, you can't afford to be doing that. You can't afford to be buying stuff off the shelf. You've got to be. You've got to be going down a certain path for professional athletes, not geezers trying to pump up in the gym. But remember, we're dealing with a sport that is still caveman in in its in its kind of actuation at times it, and but it's professional sport i know listen i don't disagree with anything you're saying but i think if there was a simple way of doing it and I, i've got to add to to your argument as well i've spoken to sports psychologists before and i can remember writing stories I haven't done one recently but i have written at least two or three stories before in which I've had sports psychologists telling me that some people in sport are pathological liars. They have to win, and so therefore they are driven to cheat. They they don't believe they're cheating. Similar to what Deontay was saying a moment or two ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 it's in people. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Do stick with us. Uh, Big Pricey has been speaking to Nick Pete. You're going to hear from him. And don't forget, Dan Aziz is going to be on the show later on. We're going to be celebrating his fantastic victory at the O2 last weekend. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. Hope you're well. It's an action-packed show. If you've missed any part of it, you can download the podcast. It'll be uh, available for you immediately uh, after the show, which features Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber in the studio. And I'll tell you something, it's always good, this show, when we're getting top-quality guests on. We're very fortunate. We are. We know that. And hopefully you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoy making it for you. To have Deontay on uh, the show was tremendous. And to be in the presence of greatness this week in the in the shape of Vasyl Lomachenko, again, another thing that brings a smile to my face. August 31st, London's O2 Arena. Gotta tell people now, right? I know that we're going to go full Eddie Hearn on people, but tell people now why they should sit their hands in the pockets, go and get themselves a ticket and make sure they are there to see, in my opinion, the best pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. This guy 
is called The Matrix for a reason. He's so talented. Um, he had 400 amateur fights, and even the couple that he lost, he didn't really lose. One. One, One that he lost. One. Didn't really lose. And then he avenged it. And then he avenged it. Um, which is just extraordinary in itself. Double gold medalist. Yep. Beijing and London. And I think we're privileged to see him in London at uh, featherweight and lightweight. Jumped up two weight divisions to win in London. Um, he has a, his father tattooed, father's head tattooed on his torso because Anatoly has been his shining light all his life. His father, in fact, has been instrumental in making Ukraine a great amateur boxing country. In 14 fights, he's a three-weight world champion. He even lost his, was it second, second fight? fight. It was a world title fight. Yep. He got roughed up in that fight. Yep. Just showed a little bit of inexperience. But he is the style that is the most difficult to fight in boxing. Errol Spence has it. Terence Crawford has it. Alexander Usyk has it. And it is the aggressive, counter-punching, Southpaw, I leading with the right hand. They make other fighters fight them, but they're counterpunching them while they're doing it. He creates angles. He's got footwork. He can fight with a broken arm, a dislocated shoulder, and still win. He is just extraordinary. He is a craftsman mm. in the sport. He's as simple as that, and it'll be a pleasure to see him live. And I don't think you'll be able to get a ticket. Uh, for that but, event. Well, I'm just telling you to sell it to the people. Now you say, well, by the time they've gone online, they won't be Sorry, able to get a ticket. No, no, no. But, but go get a ticket because you need to get one soon. Yeah, it, it will be sold out. The it place will. There's no question about it. It'll be a great night. They put a great card together. And, and and Luke Campbell. How big of a chance does Luke Campbell have in this fight? Um, Listen, it's tough. We're talking. We're talking pound for pound. Great. This, this when this guy finishes, he'll be mentioned alongside the very very already, best that have ever ever done it. Already, I think. I, I think he's. You know, we lost Pernell Whitaker, Sweet Pea, recently, and I really do think. And I may have said this on the show before, um, but I am. I repeat it. I will repeat it as till till other people are blue in the face. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard, Pernell Whitaker, Floyd Mayweather, yeah. maybe Terence Crawford, and Errol Spencer, the American. Successors to that line of three Americans, but you could drop Vasil Lomachenko in there, and he is clearly the most technical boxer following those three. Maybe he's better than all of them. Maybe there's a way to go yet. But look, look at what Sugar Ray Leonard achieved. Frankly, look at what Floyd Mayweather achieved. Fifty fights undefeated, even though that last one is kind of disputed a little bit because it was against a guy having his debut as a boxer, mm. Conor McGregor, of course. But it's not to be missed. Luke Campbell is long, strong. He has the size. Also a Southport, also a gold medalist in London, um, and really feels that this is his moment. But I just think he's going to be outboxed. He may lose a wide points decision. He may even get stopped in the mm. mid to late rounds. Well, Gareth caught up with uh, Luke. He also caught up with uh, George Groves. Just a quick one on George Groves. On the sporting couch uh, with Gary Bloom on Sunday night, 8 o'clock. Make sure you tune in because it's an absolute cracker. Uh, George Groves is actually on that show, so do get stuck into it. You're going to hear from him, though, first, right here on Fight Night. So don't go anywhere. It's coming up in a moment. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. The push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport and the guests keep on coming. If you've only just joined us, you've missed Deontay Wilder, but it will be available on the podcast. So make sure you download, head to iTunes, look for Fight Night, hit the subscribe button, 
and you will get content into your feed as soon as this show is finished. Now, I'm quite um, happy that this young man has decided to come and join us on the programme because of his performance at the O2 Arena last week was quite startling. Um, he came to see us in the build-up to the fight and he was very affable, very laughy, very jokey, very uh, very welcoming young man. Um, but we uh, we had a f- not a few questions. We threw questions towards him about how he would make the change from small hall to the big arena. And boy, I'd say you something. He was built for it. He walked <laughs> into the O2 arena like a stallion. Came out of there like a, a gladiator on one of them Russell Crowe films. Dan Aziz, welcome to the show. How are Thank you, bud? Thank you very much, man. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Talk to and me of the new, by the way. Yes, yes. and the, the new. new. That's it. Southern area. See? Yeah, Gareth Lowe. Light heavyweight champion. That's how we roll. That's how we roll on That's it. it. Listen, yeah. talk to me about, yeah. first of all, fight week, because we, mm-hmm. we you were on our show. Yeah. And it was in the, it was before fight week. Yeah. I saw you fight week. I saw you do the open workout. I saw you do the press conference, and you were like a duck to water, mate. It was like, yeah. it was like you've been. It wasn't you. It looked like it wasn't your first rodeo. Yeah. Um. It's just you know what it is. It's just that mentality of just, um, I've just got to block out all the because everyone's obviously like, oh yeah, this is your like first big show. How do you feel? You know, rare But it's about the main things, just getting the job done. So that's what I was just concentrated on. Um just making sure the job gets done and then yeah and then I can think about and absorb everything afterwards and you know really enjoy it after but I just I was really just focused like and knew that this was my opportunity in 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 saying that though yeah you did seem extremely relaxed around media I mean everybody was speaking to you throughout the course of the week you were giving the answer It, it wasn't like you were I mean, we've seen so many fighters that might be tighted away mm-hmm. and and maybe a little bit distracted, yeah. giving those one word answers. Oh, yeah, um, I, you, you, know, you were like on a reality TV show, yeah, mate. You're enjoying cause, yourself because I was just I've been. It's like it's not new to me. I've been training, been making weight. Like it's my lifestyle, so it's not something that okay. The opportunities come now. We got to change this, or we got to train like train in a different way. And you know, it, I've been doing this for a very long time. Been training hard, and you know, it's about when your opportunity comes you're 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 ready like you're there like so and that's what i guess just happened like i'd already been training i had two fights prior mm. so i was in shape i was already quite in shape um you know so yeah, it was just about getting the mindset ready like you know on fight night we got to get the job done because every fight week is everyone can talk you know you got the interviews all that but what really really matters is on the on the day on yeah. the night getting it right so i could talk up i could have been chatting trash with charlie you know just doing all of that but the main thing my, which my coach always instilled in me is getting it right on fight night i mm. could have had the best training camp even but again it's just about getting it right on fight night and, and you, i think that's what happened and you most certainly did that talk yep. to me about the difference then when you're actually in the ring we yep. spoke about the your call it's one mm. of man and gareth's favorite venues it's yep. an absolute burp it people are on top of you you, yeah. can, you can hear everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. even in the bar whilst your uh-huh. fight's going on the o2 is a very different mm-hmm. arena how does it now compare for you um i get you know, the main things that that was like different for me was like obviously when I was in the corner some of the times I could see on the big screen like them <laughs> showing my highlights and then I'm hearing like the crowd going ooh I ain't never that, seen that before like my coach is trying to talk to me and I'm like up oh, just looking like oh wow that was a good shot like, I hope so, I can get that for Insta yeah, later yeah, on yeah, like, I was like oh that was sick like so um, just things like that obviously still it wasn't as packed as when it was at the main event but you know um, again like I always say like when I get in a ring everything on the outside is still kind of like it's just 
black, it's a bit of a blur. It's just what's going on in the ring. So, yeah, it didn't really phase me as much. But afterwards, bloody hell, it was amazing, man. Seriously, I was like just trying to go, like, I was walking up and down and just every second there, someone was coming, oh, can I get a picture? Oh, wicked performance. Like, I've never, ever had that before. Like, it was weird. Like, people are happy to, like, take a picture of me like taking a picture of me was making them feel good that that felt so weird to me i was like what is going like i was like of course you can man like why would why wouldn't i have one with you so yeah it was so surreal like it was wicked man you're big time now aren't you that, well, that, um, down, down, the lo <laughs> down the local supermarket no, getting no, the groceries no, people stopping no, you that's down the z's i ain't that i ain't that i ain't that famous yet but um, <laughs> i ain't even famous yet but yeah no it was wicked man on the night man i really really did like it mm. if he keeps putting performances in like that gareth against Quality operators in Charlie Duffield. I mean, mm. a lot of people going into that fight were saying it's 50-50. Yeah. It's, it's a nip and tuck fight. You absolutely dismantled t uh, Charlie, systematically broke him down and obviously yeah. ended up getting the finish in emphatic ways. I mean, I know he's joking, Gareth, about um, celebrity status and people <laughs> falling for him. But that's what fans love, don't they? Look, they he's yeah. right in what he says. It's about the performance on the night. But look at him now, laughing, joking, people buy into personalities. It's the whole package. And if he keeps doing what he did last Saturday night, could have a little star on around. Well, it was we? a very big card, wasn't it, the O2 Arena? It was the biggest card of the year. You and I noted that in, in the show last week. Um, and I think Dan came into focus for British fans for the first time, if I'm... I think I'm yeah, yeah, fair course, in saying, yeah, you know. Um, and I think you carried it very well. Obviously, we were both around you all week. You know, I was interviewing you for the notable Probably betting worker, agents yeah. as well. You mm -hmm. know, down there at Tower Bridge, it was a... You know, you were out there, you physically... You're a specimen. Thank um, you. But, and you are. No, but you are. And, and you know, this is a fight show. I don't want you hitting on yeah, me. Listen, listen, I'm not being homoerotic here. You know. um, the lad's yeah. in good shape. All no, right, no, let's get he, on with no, it. He is a <laughs> specimen. <laughs> Yeah, he is, a, and he is. Gareth, and we were talking. No, but we were talking before the show about Gareth's going to ask him for diet yeah, and yeah. workout routine. Uh, That's I'm trying. Gonna... <laughs> right. no, 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 but it's like you know, you played on the wing as a footballer. You, 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 you know, you you ran around as a centre and a and a, and a winger in rugby when yeah. you were young. You you were very fast. You've got the fast twitch fibre. Mm. We're getting your personality. Um, you're at the stage eight and zero is the building stage. It's that you, you you've won an area title. This is the stage where you hone your craft, you develop your 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 brand, if yeah, you like. You're, yeah. You know, um, you're very cool. You're very hip. Um, you 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 you've got um, a great fighter's mentality. You're obviously dedicated to it, but you're also very articulate. You're university educated. All these yeah. things are in your favour, mm -hmm. and I think. This is the building process from here on in. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the light, the world light heavyweight scene, okay? We know that the likes of um, Anthony Yard is going to fight Sergei Kovalev, mm -hmm. which will bring the light heavyweight division into focus. We know Joshua Boatsy's um, kind of growing. You remind yeah. me of him in a way as yeah, well, yeah, but you're a bit more of a terror than good, he is. Good, good, good um, mate of mine, man. We spar all the time. Do you know, he you sound like him sometimes. <laughs> People no, have really. said that, you know. You know? But I, I think he's a bit more of a terror than me. Trust me. He won't mind Josh. me saying this. He's got a much bigger ego yeah, on yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm teasing him. Because nah. Josh will slap me he, over he, that he's, one. He's, He'll shave me or slap me. He's the most humble guy you can come across. No, I'm joking. Of course he is. He's incredibly humble. Very really doesn't have an ego. Yeah. Um, but the British light heavyweight scene is red hot. 
But yeah, it is. On but, the world but, scene, but, but it's... But what we're hearing right now from Dan is that he couldn't actually fight Josh because they're too close. Uh... <laughs> Listen, if you the money's what? right, he'll be Yeah, in. exactly. I'm sure Josh wouldn't mind making a little money with me. But yeah, no, he's, that's my guy, man. We, like, he's helped me up. He's, he's bragged me on a lot as well. I know their camp as well, like the coach they helped me as well like i got a lot of love for them so it's but, the south london massive with you guys yeah, yeah. man yeah. you know it's not it's not just him there's um the likes of craig richards he's from yeah, yeah. south london yeah um, craig yeah he's long and strong yeah, as like, well um, yeah so you he, can't fight him no you can't fight josh <laughs> um, you're gonna have to fight anthony yard when he beats sergey kovalov then aren't you? and he's down at my gym as well peacock is he, oh, is he really oh yeah okay together, like um so tell if, me about daniel dubois then down at oh, peacocks with the bottom are the bowers guys good with you oh, lovely, martin and lovely. tony got so much love for them um they, a the, proper east yeah, end yeah, don't they proper east like, end proper like, east end such a lovely guy the whole um yeah whole of them um um there's who's it andre and yes. um there's who's it i've even forgot his name tony gonna, bill all of those guys <laughs> i've forgotten his name but yeah no they're all nice man all good bunch of um guys and do you know what bugs me when i go in the peacock they yeah. never let me pay for a tea or a coffee oh serious or yeah, a sandwich yeah, nice. it's a really i'm like i owe them about four thousand yeah, yeah. quid <laughs> that's a lot of tea and coffee yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but, but, but one of the well, here's one of the other things the reason i ask about daniel dubois yeah. is, um I think the Peacock Gym and Canning Town is going to come into a lot of focus in the next three or four mm-hmm. years, purely as he progresses. Well, it's the heavyweights. It all exactly. down from the heavyweights. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we were, you know, and, and also his, his sister Caroline will yeah. probably go to the Olympics next She's year. Wonderful. And pro- will almost certainly yeah. win a medal. She's mm-hmm. so talented. Very, very good. So surly, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, she's so serious. You asked Daniel about her, and he say, "Yeah, she's better than me." No, but they say Prince. They say Prince, <laughs> the fifteen-year-old no, yeah, yeah. who I met the other day. He's six foot one already, handsome yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Have you met him? And they've, they've got, you know, they've got an even younger kid, and he come down the gym the Prince? other day. No, he's like another he one. Might be even like six or something oh like that. God. And he was just skipping. I was like, "Yep, yeah, we got another champion already." It's unbelievable. He's skipping, throwing right hands. Like, yeah, that whole family—they're just born fighters, man. Dan, regarding your path, because we've only got a couple of minutes left, I kind of offer, just before you walked into the studio, we're having a little bit of a chat about what's next, and I kind of like your attitude of, I've won Southern Area now, Mm -hmm. so now it's a case of English. Yeah, yeah. Because because you've just had a big moment. You've had a big night of the O2. A lot of young lads could get Mm -hmm. carried away and they go, right, I want to get onto British Mm -hmm. or I want to skip that and go straight to European or whatever it may be. But your attitude is the traditional route. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's as well as about levels as well and steps. You can't like, you know, like you just said, I just want a Southern area. You can't just jump it straight. Oh yeah, I want to get a British. Like, you know, it's at that level, it's the little things that count and that could just be experience, stuff like that. And so, I would like I would like to think my next step is like the English and I think I'm roundabouts there. So, um, yeah, that was, what I'd um, like to go down that route I'd like to go down or if there's anyone that wants to fight me for the southern area I don't mind defending it I'm not one of them guys that would yeah southern area you know I'd get rid of it and go on to bigger bit of things no if there's anyone that wants to have it you know we can we they can, can get do, it yeah they can get it man I don't <laughs> mind man it's, it's, as long as it makes for a good fight and it's entertaining how hard has it been to stay out the gym this week yeah, obviously off the back of that euphoria so hard man I'm bored already like I want to come in the gym or like go back in the gym because you know like I said it's a lifestyle and then when you stop doing something it's like you go into cold turkey like, what do you oh, do when you're in cold turkey then um, nothing really just music. chill out 
Hang yeah, on. Losing, he's going on his gained. holidays with his boys in two yeah, weeks, yeah. man. No, so, so, Marbella no, is no, coming. No, <laughs> oh, really? Is it Marbella? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Marbs. Oh, okay. You'll yeah. be training in the gym yeah, there yeah, where Tyson Fury lost yeah, 10 yeah. stone. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be out Running here, along so. the beach. Listen, he, it, he ain't training for a fight, though. He's training to look good on the nights out. That's what it is. He's getting a pump on, and then he's on the night out. I did the same. I ran on the beach. You did the same. Get out. You've just compared yourself to Dan Aziz. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. No, I just. The only thing. No, no, I'm not comparing myself to that. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm, all I'm saying is, I ran three years ago around four miles along the beach in these very pinstripes trousers yeah. with Tyson Fury, but only because yeah. he was 27 stone at the time. Oh, okay. and I can yeah. keep up with him. Yeah, but it is beautiful no. there. You know, I can't just wait. don't go running through the water fountains Mate. like we were doing with Billy Joe Saunders. It was absolutely bonkers. I had to get He'll be on the, the back of a yacht at a pool party. Yeah. Be, it's his downtime. He'll be yeah. enjoying himself. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Listen, dude, great to see you again. Thank you very much, man. Thank Ooh. you for having me again. I oh, really, really appreciate it. More man. than welcome anytime. Listen, great performance last weekend. We're looking forward to seeing you do your thing again. You listen to Fight Night here on TalkSport. Stick with us. Plenty still to come. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. Hope you are well. Now, last weekend, David Price got himself a fantastic victory against Dev Allen. It was a 10-round demolition. One-sided as it gets. And in the aftermath of that, my mate Nick Pete went round to Big Price's house, decided to do a little bit of sunbathing in his back garden and stick a microphone in his face. And this is what the big man had to say. There were so many eyeballs brought to this fight, but afterwards, speaking to people and obviously cashing in me bets... It seemed like people were saying it's the biggest win of your career and it probably felt like that on Saturday. But in terms of opponents, this wasn't the toughest opponent of your career, far from it. Um, probably not, but it was just so much riding on the fight that it was... Um, I mean, every fight's must win, obviously, but but for me, this one was was the be-all and end-all because if I'd have lost on Saturday night, I'd have, been, I'd have had no choice but to retire. And the reason being was when I've been in crossroads fights in the past, People have lost who haven't been Dave Allen, and that means no disrespect towards him. But I said before the fight that he was a, a solid domestic level fighter, and it was going to lose to someone like him. It would have been time to call it a day, but that added pressure to the to the occasion and to, to everything about it. So that added the importance to it, and that that for, for that reason, it, it felt so good to win on it. And when I, when I also said in the past, any fights that I'm taking now, I'm gonna. It's going to be a calculated risk where, you know, it's against people who are on paper. I believe I've got a real chance of beating. And that's why I said, Dave, I, you know, it was underdog, but it was a very winnable fight for me. And uh, I proved that on Saturday night. Was there anything in the fight that surprised you, shocked you? Because, let's be honest, you controlled every minute of every round. And it, there was one point in there from being a David Price fan that... I thought this is the first time in a long time. I can see you were enjoying it. I think you. I think more than anything, it looked like you wanted to do the full twelve rounds because you've never seen. I've never seen you that happy in a ring for a long time. I did want to do the twelve rounds, and I, and I decided that about ten days ago. Where I thought I need to get in the mindset that I want to do the twelve rounds because I wanted to prove to myself and everyone else that I could do the championship distance, and that was well, well going to happen if, if he hadn't have uh, pulled out. I could have done fifteen rounds on Saturday. Um, so once I had it in my mind for the first time in my career, it just changes your mentality during the fight. Um, and that that's exactly how I went in, that I wanted to do the, to, to do the 12 rounds. Um, 
and enjoyment another word I had intentions of enjoying the fight and a few people said it to me on the fight week enjoy it enjoy it and I was like yeah I, I am going to enjoy it um, because you know what else what else can I have had fights where I haven't enjoyed them but if you're there you may as well accept it where you are and, and enjoy the fight um, and, and I did just took it round by round and before I knew it we were seven eight rounds in and, and I was coasting what was the difference between David Price on Saturday and David Price say in previous big fights that when things haven't gone your way, you know, is part of the confidence and part of the enjoyment because you knew the work was in the bank, maybe you hadn't done the work in the past or because it was a different type of pressure? Um, no, look, at the, going into the fight, I, I, there was still, it was it was the same as going into every other fight. The doubts were there. Which which we do all have, but it's but it's about refuting the doubts and, and putting them away. So, but there was there was times where I was having doubts, and I wasn't. I was I I had a a level of confidence going in the fight, but I was like, I was accepting that it was a fight I, I could possibly have lost. I weren't going in thinking I'm just going to win this fight no matter what. There was nerves. There there was a, the unknown going in, but the difference was while I was in there, um, and. It was a matter of waiting until I got in the ring to see if what I've been working on was going to work in the fight. I didn't know until I got in there. Um, so on the day of the fight, the usual nerves were there, if not, probably a little bit more. But when I got to the venue, uh, this just air, air of calmness just came over me and, and I knew, I thought, this is going to be fine. Um, you know, so I've, I've been working on many different things in the build-up to that fight. I've left, left no stone unturned, you know. Was that the was that the best camp of your career preparation wise? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I had one one small injury earlier on in my, in my calf, which affected me uh, running to go the track and things like that. But we we substituted that and used a uh, Versa climber, which is just as hard, if not harder, brutal. Um, sparring sparring partners aren't really readily available as much anymore for for whatever reason. But I got a good sparring partner and a lad from Scotland. Um, Jay McFarlane, he comes down every single week and he can just do rounds after rounds and he's so so um, crafty and clever, he's only 21 and, he, and I've seen him improve throughout the camp and then the last week I got him and Sokolowski in together so I think I, I totted up about 90 rounds of sparring I think that's key for me to, to get the sparring in properly because um, I can run as much as I want, I can hit as many pads and bags but if you haven't got someone throwing punches at you, it's it's... It's not training properly for the fight, so I got the sparring right, and you know um, everything else just just took care of itself. Really, how important has this permanent switch over to work with Joe McNally? You know, I think a lot of boxing fans outside of Liverpool may not even be familiar with his name, but I spoke to Craig Glover on the show last week, and you know he was insisting this relationship that he's got with Joe, he feels like has really taken him to the next level. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. We've got, me and Joe have got a got a great thing going on, um, and he's got a, he's got a, a little small stable of boxers. But uh, you know, everyone everyone's similar to me. Really, they, they enjoy working with him. But I can only speak for myself and saying that he, he's doing a fantastic job, um, and he's a young trainer. And you know, I give him a chance when I was having like a going to have a bit of a comeback type of thing and we've just gone from strength to strength and he's grown as a trainer 
the the trust between us is growing. We're succeeding. You know, we're, we're, it's just uh, it's just going from strength to strength. And you know, he's done a great job in the corner on Saturday, keeping me calm, keeping me composed. And even in the build up to the fight, the the game plan was set and it was in place from the way it go. And from from my own perspective, that's all I really had to concentrate on instead of getting in the ring and over analysing things that I'm doing myself. That just uh, you know, I just I just got in and trusted myself to do what I can do, but just concentrate on what we've just a strategy really, and that's how it should be. Um so yeah, it it it's great and that's one of the reasons why the the uh, the, the the prospect of defeat and retirement was making me so nervous because I, I don't want to retire yet. I weren't ready to and one of the reasons is because I feel like we're just getting going as a team. Me and him, and and Declan, of course, uh, Declan O'Rourke. But I feel like we're just getting going as a team, and it would have been a shame for me to have had to cut it short just when we're taking off. So that um, that was another reason why it was so important for me to win. You're adamant that had things not gone your way, Saturday, you definitely would have walked away. Uh, yeah, definitely would have. Yeah, definitely would have. They, they offered me the fight, and the the way we done the deal was that they offered me um, they offered me less money. But a a comeback fight ever lost for for a for a smaller person. I just said no to that. It was like this is this is it. If if I don't win, there won't be a comeback fight. So I kind of like set me stall out then, um, and 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 that was it. It would have been the end. Was that a was that a decision you'd made, or are these the decisions? That you make with Jade, and you, you know, you even speak to the kids because I know as a, it's not just you. You know, it's easy to go, oh, Pricey doesn't have to get some stick, but you know, you're a close family unit. You know, you and Jade have been together forever. Are these, she's been on this journey with you. Has all this been calculated as a family, as a team? We we do we do speak about it sometimes, but she Jade Jade will just always support me no matter what my decision is. I mean, there's been times where I've said to her that I've wanted to, and she's told me not to. Um, the kids, the kids love it that I'm a boxer. They they'd like me to be a boxer forever. Um, but it, it's it's more so at times when it's deep in training camp and it's a lonely time. It's hard. You you you're missing out on a lot. And it's all you've ever known, really. But it's times like that when and you've seen fighters like Tyson Fury talk about it. You see Tyson Fury when he's when he's halfway through a training camp, he'll start talking about retirement and interviews, only having two more fights with this and that. It's because it's getting to you, it's doing your head in. And I I've gone I went in from the last fight straight into the camp for this one and and I just thought I just thought that I can't keep having comebacks but it but it was more to do with the the level of the opponents as a seen it. I thought if I lose to Dave Allen, there's definitely nowhere to go. Um but to answer your question it was it was my own it was in my own mind to to have because uh, I don't even like using the word in here retire we don't really talk about it it's like don't mention that mention that but until it until it has to happen but it, it's it could always just be around the corner uh, but ideally the way I felt Saturday night I could, I could just keep going on now till till my late thirties obviously Dave Allen's. In a situation now, he come out in the immediate aftermath. He's used the R word himself. He's talk about retirement. You had a, you know, you, you seem to have a a decent relationship with him this week, and I'm sure you feel for the situation that he's in. But it, you know, I was explaining to someone today. He's very much a fighter of these times, Dave Allen. You know, over the last eighteen months, through the use of social media and social media promotion, 
maybe he found himself in a in a fight in a bigger fight than he was potentially ready for. What do you think about his career moving forward? Um, I spoke to him yesterday. I had breakfast with him yesterday, and um, my advice to him was because obviously he's lost before. Uh, was was not to make any knee jerk reactions, and always said some things about his health and that in the media. That, you know, if that's the case, then he really needs to consider it. But I think um, at the end of the day, you know, you're 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 the one who has to go to bed at night and and live with your decisions. So if he feels like being a boxer gives him stability and brings him some type of purpose in his life because he's got nothing else, then you can't be grudged the lad for saying okay. I'm gonna carry on like I did, like I did um, after the Pavekin fight when I said I'm gonna carry on, but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be taking fights that are probably so-called safer, less chance of getting air type of thing, unless you're gonna get paid enough money to warrant the risk. And he said that yesterday himself that he may, you know, he'd like to just carry on and, and he's found his level type of thing. Um, because I think, obviously, I was a step too far for him. And a few of his fights have been. And it might just make him look at things a bit differently about taking taking the right fights. And and because if he enjoys being a competitor and competing, then who, who is anyone to tell him to stop as long as, he, as long as he is still healthy? You know what I mean? I guess they're all clear to go again. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Fight Night on TalkSport, your number one boxing show on the radio. Hopefully you're enjoying it. If you've missed any part of the show, you can download it as a podcast. Uh, Just make sure you press subscribe. Fight Night is what you're looking for on iTunes. And straight after the show, this will be in your feed. So you can listen to it at your leisure. Uh, Now, as I said moments ago, one of the best boxers on the planet, Vasyl Lomachenko, was in town this week. The reason for it is because he's got a fight coming up with Luke Campbell, August 31st uh, at London's O2 Arena. Now, Luke Campbell was talking to Gareth A. Davis alongside former stablemate and former world champion George Groves. Here's what they had to say. Long stare down there with Vasily Lomachenko, Luke Campbell. What was that all about? I don't know. I guess the friction is, is real. You know, the tension's there. 
You've spent all morning working together on a media kind of car wash, as we call it. Yeah. Um, was that the first time? Is it kind of like you spent a bit too much time around each other, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I think that was a third, third stare down we've done. And I think uh, each, each stare down's getting longer and longer and longer. Could have been there all day if none of us would have budged. Do you have to kind of develop something in you, uh, almost a dislike of Vasyl Lomachenko for this event? He's not known to trash talk, neither are you. No. But perhaps you need to, I know you've been in camp for six weeks, but this is quite a nice opportunity halfway through to maybe build up a kind of enmity towards him and that's what you've used today for. That's what it looked like to me. Ah, right, OK. No, just, um, you know, you just react to what, what what's in front of you, I guess. And um, I guess we both decided just to stay there and... Uh, and keeps daring, you know. It's, um, Is he a cocky little Ukrainian? Um, I, I wouldn't have thought so. I don't know. Listen, this is fight. This is boxing, in it. So it's it's a fight at the end of the day. What's a, at the end of the day? What's a, a long stare out compared to a real fight? It's, it's this is this is what it is. Like as like I said in the press conference, I, I believe you have got the two best fighters in the division fighting off. Do you- People keep saying, oh, Luke's technical. Um, I've told you already that his father, Vasily, had said to me when when Vassal, uh, Anatoly, sorry, said to Vassal when I was at the Crawler, uh, Anthony Crawler Lomachenko fight, that, that he believes that you were the toughest fight for him in the division because of your technical skills. Um, but is it going to be a technical fight? Because the people that are giving him trouble have actually got stuck into him. Well, we'll see, won't we, on the night. Don't want to give too much away, but um, the only way you win a fight is by throwing punches. One of your um, training, I suppose sparring, you must have sparred together at some point, you and George Groves is sitting here to my left, never, ever, no, okay. Um, we used to do tech spars. That's what I mean, technical spars. We did did one tech spar, I think, a long time ago, up in Sheffield or somewhere. And? And he hit me with a body shot and it hurt, and I, and I never ever. I, I pride myself upon it. I was so embarrassed that I got hurt with a body shot in pro career. Never, and I thought, oh, he's done me, oh, because he was a lot. So he's a bantamweight back then. Oh, what, before the Olympics? Oh, this was 15, no, 17, 18 years old. He hit me with a body shot, and I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to try and dig him one more time, but I can't. I'm not bigger than him. I can't look like I'm trying to trying to get one back. So I, I could get it back. He, he done me, he done me with a body shot. So yeah, he's a. Um, that's about as far as our sparring's gone. It would have been one of those like mess around spars where you're just having a laugh and a giggle and you're just messing around, touching each other. And you know, the first one that lands an okay shot, then the other one's going like, to give it to you back. And George is very heavy handed. So I think the, the second the body shot landed, I thought, all right, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you answer that question for me then? If you were Luke Campbell fighting. Vasil Lomachenko, would you try and put on put it on him rather than try and box him? Hey, look, um, you don't. He don't need to. He don't need to. Luke, Luke, Luke can do what he what, what he wants to do. You know, uh, but he doesn't need to force the fight with with, with Lomachenko. Um, he just needs to do what he's what he always does really well. You know, um, he, Luke punches hard first and foremost which is an underrated skill of his um, and he punches neat and correct he's got a great boxing brain which is what you which you you can't survive with someone like Lomachenko without mm. um, he's now taken out that that those lulls 
you know that that happened for most fighters where they have a lapse in concentration and like he's going to stay switched on the entire time because with someone like Lomachenko because they're so good at creating angles the second that you start to switch off he's going to create an angle on you he's going to find space and he's going to let his hands go I don't think Lomachenko's going to come in here and try and stop Luke Campbell I think he's going to try and nick rounds right because he knows how big he is he knows how hard he hits and he knows that he has the ability um, and the experience through his amateur pedigree you know to 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 deal and contend with you know a fighter of Lomachenko's style he's sitting here and I'm sure he won't mind me saying right he's the best fighter on the planet like but Luke Campbell's going to beat him and that and as strange as that fucking as that sounds um, that is sports or I swear that's not usually me <laughs> um, I'm getting a bit excited because it's not me um, yeah. this is sport is how it works you know sometimes these things happen you know and it's not that necessarily that Luke Campbell's got his number one it's just this is Luke Campbell's time he's, everything he's worked for his entire life is to come into a pinnacle at this this moment it's a it's, it's, it's a it's a great and exciting time. It's a very good point you make, George, because I was going to ask you, Luke, um, when you fought Jorge Linares, it was a very close fight. I mean, I think I've even, between us, I've said I thought you'd nicked that fight. Yeah. Obviously, you got knocked down early, which which kind of swayed the judges at the time. It was his territory, um, although he's Venezuelan, obviously, yeah. he's an American fighter. Um, has your self-belief changed since then? Yeah, 100%. Um, I believe in myself a lot more now, um, in my abilities, my power, everything. Um, I guess I was going in, going into that fight with not really any thoughts of belief or anything else. I think I was quite numb going into that fight um, with everything else what was going on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I didn't really give it... Um, 100% in, in my belief you weren't present no I wasn't way. present yeah. enough yeah. to mm. I mean the knockdown warmed me up <laughs> you know it, it, it was a good shot it was a more of a flash knockdown um, I got stuck on the back foot uh, and it, it pushed me over on my ass didn't hurt me didn't wobble me or anything like that it was just a flash shot that put me on my back I got straight up and I thought fucking hell Lou now you got to wake up Time to switch on now and start working. And it was only from that moment there where I switched on and started to work. And that's from there I thought I won from round three to 11. Okay, so I'll say when you beat the pound for pound number one at the moment, Vasil Lomachenko on August the 31st, are you expecting a second gold post box in Hull? Um, I don't, I mean, one's enough. <laughs> we're gonna do better than that. We we'll do better than yeah. a gold post box. We we'll have a good thing. We'll see what we yeah. hear. We'll Maybe if they got Ferri- they got Ferris wheel there yet or something. With something we can paint gold. It's, it's what's the best? Campbell the best thing in, What's wheel, the best yeah. thing in hole? Yeah. <laughs> That's getting knocked down soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting knocked down. The ice, to build, uh, ice ring the getting knocked down. Luke yeah. Campbell statue. Yeah, that's it. We'll put a statue up. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I deserve a statue. Yeah. <laughs> We've already sussed it out. It's a statue of me. <laughs> yeah, the, the, weirdly, George, Luke, and Vasily, you were all at the same tournament. Was it 2003? Were you saying? Been at the same tournament a lot of times. Yeah. You know, we've been as amateurs. As amateurs, we was in Europeans in Russia. There we was Morocco in the World Championships. Mm. Um, been to a lot of tournaments. So when he was boxing, though, did you see something like that, guys? That guy's going to be good. Oh, yeah, like, it's not news for me or George to, mm. to think, wow, well, Vasily Lemachenko is a oh, he's class fighter. It's, no, it's not news, not new news for us. We've always known from when we seen him in the amateur days that he was something 
special, but you know, there's, there's even the special fighters get beat. Oh no, I'm sure about that. There's no, there's no. Everyone's been beaten. No one's. Come, I mean, obviously Mayweather was never beaten, but um, when you were at the Olympics with him as well, obviously you're both gold medalists from the London Games. Weirdly, you went down to bantamweight, and he jumped from featherweight to lightweight, didn't he, at those games? Um, when you were at the games, then did you ever think I might be facing this guy one day? You know, because you would have had ambitions even then to be a world champion as a professional. I wasn't thinking it um, in the Olympics, um, but I guess when I turned pro and then he turned pro, I thought one day we could potentially meet, and here we are. We're here. We're meeting. So August thirty-first. The place is going to be sold out. Um, Eddie Hearn's already told me that he thinks that the tickets will sell out within 24, 48 hours. What does it mean to you to get to this point, to have this opportunity, to win three belts? You're already our most decorated amateur on record. What does it mean to you to get to this point in your career? Yeah, I mean, obviously it means well to me because this is all I've ever, all I've ever concentrated on and done since being a young, young lad. Um, but like I, I was saying in a previous interview... I'm never one for to just to be here for the for the event. Like when I went to the Olympics, I seen so many other athletes there, happy to be mm. in the moment at, mm. at an event, and they were so happy to be there. And I was looking at these guys, thinking these guys are just happy to be here. I'm not I'm not happy to be here. I'm here to win, and it's as simple as that. And I guess with someone like this, obviously, I'm very grateful that I'm involved in such a huge event. Um, but it's an event I'm not, I'm not bothered about the occasion the event I'm here to win and that's what I concentrate on doing and, and finally George I know you've retired but are you going to get in the ring with him and give him that dig back in the ribs at some point just to remind him that there's bigger stronger faster older fighters around what like Rocky 3 when I'll train him like <laughs> Apollo I say, right, we just uh he owes me one one favour. I'll train him up for, uh, for for Pete Lomo, and then yeah, if we do that one, that ding ding, yeah, we get yeah, maybe maybe we have to wait and see. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport. I'm Adam Catterall. Now this week, one of the greatest boxers in the world has been in town. Vasil Lomachenko is taking on Luke Campbell on August the 31st at London's O2 Arena. My colleague, Gareth A. Davis, went down to the press conference and stuck microphones in the faces of everybody, including Eddie Hearn, who spoke about that fight and the heavyweight scene. Just a little note, this was done before all the Dillian White news, just for a bit of context. These two guys working together all day, mm. and uh, we just had a press conference, yeah. and they really did have a long stare yeah, down there, really they? a very long yeah. stare down. No, it was like... It's not really Luke's style, but I think it was, you know, obviously what it means to him in this fight, but also to let him know that he's here and he's, you know, he's coming to win the fight. I told him three times, okay, look away, but obviously it's always one of those sort of schoolyard stuff. Now you look away first, and I'm not looking away, and you have to sort of almost drag him away, but it was interesting. I think, I like it, I like what I see from Luke Campbell in this fight, and you got to, that's why one of the questions I asked in the presser was, it's almost like respect, but not too much respect, because if you go in there, and, and give him too much respect and let Lomachenko do what he does, which is be a genius. And almost like Crawler's downfall in the fight was doing just that. I think style-wise, it was a big, big, you know, it was, it was too much for Crawler. And it's a different style fight for Campbell. But 
it's almost like if you give him too, it's, it's catch me too, give him too much respect, you let him dominate you. Don't give him any respect and be reckless, he's going to pick you off at ease. So Luke's got to be clever, he's got to be sharp, he's got to punch very hard, which he's doing, and he's here to win. Um, obviously, last year you brought Alexander Usyk, his compatriot, yeah. to fight Tony Belly. That was very successful. Mm. But now, arguably, you've got the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world coming. Is that rewarding as a promoter as well to put your guy against number yeah. one pound-for-pound pound in the world? Yeah, and it's you know look, it's it's a it's an honour to bring the pound-for-pound pound number one to the UK. But we're doing it because we believe Luke Campbell can beat him. Mm. We're not doing it just for the occasion. Mm. And we could have gone to America for this fight. Luke could have made more money in America for this fight. But he believes he has a better chance of winning. And he's here to win this fight. So in that respect, this is what we have to do. There's all you know, people, the reaction of oh, all the top fighters are going to America now. So let's bring pound for pound number one and a, and a, a great British amateur and professional fighter in Luke Campbell to the UK for a big event to win the world title. And you know, this is part of, uh, I think, five or six huge names that we've brought now to the UK with Errol Spence, with Terence Crawford, with Gennady Golovkin, with Usyk, and now Lomachenko. So it's great for British fight fans. And the response, now the pre-sale was one of the fastest selling pre-sales for boxing at the O2. This is going to sell out or be very close today. So it's a big moment for British boxing. And I think because our fans are so educated, they understand the significance of this fight and, and the significance of Lomachenko making his pro debut in, in the UK. So do you think tickets for this will be like hotcakes? Yeah, I believe they'll go today. I mean, we oh, sold, wow. uh, pre-sale numbers were huge at the O2. We were on general sale in about an hour, half an hour. It's a, it's a must-see. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a fight fan to see a fight like this. Um, just with Luke, um, the point's been made, of course, that Nicola Adams did two Olympics, she got a lot of yeah. attention. Anthony Joshua won gold, yeah. obviously Luke was a gold medalist in London as well. Um, and Anthony Joshua's kind of, yeah. not stolen all the headlines, but mm. he's been a very big story in British sure. boxing. Um, you know, Luke's 30 now, 30, 31, mm. very mature, mm. our most decorated amateur mm. in history on yeah. paper. Um, in many ways, is this very good timing for him in, 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 against this kind yeah, of I opponent? Mean, in terms of age and stuff like that, he's, he, he ain't got any miles on the clock. Mm. I mean, he looks 15. I, mean, he, I, I must say, I meant to ask you, he went to, obviously he's fought for a world title against Jorge yeah, yeah. Linares and looked brilliant in that he fight. Won that fight I agree. But the Very knockdown, close. the yeah. knockdown was the turning point. If he didn't get knocked down in that fight, which was a light knockdown, he would have won that fight. But he didn't believe in himself then. He didn't have the training setup that he, he's got now. Mm. That's why I said one of the questions in the press conference, this is the perfect moment for Luke Campbell. This is the best chance he'll ever have to beat Vasily Lomachenko because he's on point with everything. You know, he's punching harder than he's ever punched before. Technically, he's very comfortable with Shane McGuigan. He's got the experience now. And, you know, Luke's one of those people. He's, he's an intelligent guy. He's not deluded. You can't just pump information in him and tell him he's ready. And he knows when he's ready. And well, he's looking at his notebook all the time, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, Do you know the notebook? When he boxed Linares, I don't think he truly believed he was ready. You know, he'd had the Mendy defeat. Yes. He came back. He corrected that at Wembley in front of 80,000 people. And he's had those occasions. He's had London 2012, the debut outdoors in Hull, Tommy Coyle outdoors in Hull, uh, Linares in L.A. Where uh, he didn't look out of place. No, not at all. But yeah. he never believed in himself. Yeah. He's a different yeah. man yeah. than he was then. And this is just a great opportunity for him to be in a fight where, you know, he could... Like, like George, George really summed it up well. George Groves. Yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. basically said... This guy's trying to unify. He's been working away to get two belts. Now he's going for three. Luke just comes straight in. Mm. And not only does he take the three belts in the Ring Magazine Championship, but Luke takes a pound-for-pound pound position. So when you're going to gamble, at least gamble against the very, very best. And that's what Luke's doing. A bit of heavyweight housekeeping. A great event at the mm. weekend. Some stories resonating yeah, from yeah. that. Um, 
what have you heard about Dave Allen? Will you speak to him in a couple yeah, of weeks? No, I spoke to him yesterday. He's okay. Uh, disappointed. I mean, you know, obviously the health is a concern, but his performance wasn't good enough. I don't think David Price is getting enough credit because I thought he was really good. And uh, Dave took it on the chin and just said he was just too big and too good for me. Um, but Dave, you know, Dave's earned more money than he would have ever dreamed of making out of boxing. In the last year. Yes, and the most <laughs> important thing is that he's happy and healthy. Yeah. So if that involves boxing or not, that's irrelevant. We've got to get the first two bits right. So we'll talk to him in a couple of weeks. It's very difficult for fighters coming off the back of a fight. You know, on the night, sometimes it's, I think that's it for me, I'm going to retire. Mm. The next day, it's like, I'm going to brush myself down and go again. You need a couple They're of weeks. They're grieving, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Because it's not just like, you don't, you're not going over to park and having a game of football and losing. You're doing it in front of the world, in a ring. Well, someone made that comparison to me on Talk Sport last night saying, oh, Lionel Messi, I went, hang on a minute, no, 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 you can't yeah, compare no, no. that with, well, no, you know, losing a football game and getting beaten up by a, yeah, you know. Uh, boxing's the most brutal game in and out of the mm. ring. Mm. And emotionally for fighters and mentally, it's very, very tough. You know, and footballers may say it, but it's not, it's just not the same. You know, they're not going in there, putting their health and their life on the line and having a fight for your entertainment. And when you lose and you get booed and you get stick on social media and you have to go through what they go through in training and in the ring. You must think to yourself, I don't need this anymore. But you, then you realise you love the sport. If you're you or me, like it's, it's almost like us walking away from boxing. We couldn't even do that, so how does a fighter do it? A couple of other, just two other questions on the heavyweight division. Obviously, lots of conundrums now. We know what Derek's going to do next. Probably going to fight yeah. Parker on one of your big cards mm -hmm. in the autumn. Probably the O2 yeah. Arena again, yeah? Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's a, I thought Derek was absolutely electric. I mean, he's he, It reminds me of an old heavyweight from the 70s yeah, and 80s know, now. He's know, like a, he's a moneyweight fighter, yeah, my, he calls yeah, it now. My dad said to me the other day, he's improved so much. You know, like he improved against Dylan in that second fight. Mm -hmm. And Spilker's a good fighter. Like, I expected Spilker to actually outfox him and outbox him. And he just said, no, 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 no. I'm just going to absolutely just take liberties with you. And it was a brutal knockout. And it was, you, know, you, never, you never normally see electric from Derek Chisora. You see grinding, mm. you see tough, mm. you see wars. But that was electric. Like the whole O2 was like, wow. Yeah. And now he's just launched himself. I, I went to dinner last night in London and he's, he's there. And he's like, where's my money? Give me my money, who's next? <laughs> and it's like, oh no. In, in some way, you want him to look bad and get a win so we can get him for cheaper. Now we've got to pay he's him. He's had you over yeah, one already, had, hasn't he? He's had me over plenty of times, but I love Derek Chisora. <laughs> he's entitled to have me over. Yeah, he, he had the mood all week. You could yeah, tell he was in the mood. Um, Dillian, um, Dillian White, brilliant victory for him on Saturday night. Very composed, came through the ninth round knockout, knockdown. Um, didn't get drawn into a toe-to-toe -to -toe slugging match. And, and it was, I thought it was a very composed, mature yeah. performance. Mm. Won it easily, mm. but it was a very tough fight. Yeah, very um, very tough fight. Had to fight. come through, obviously, the knockdown. Yeah. Had to come through a revest that wouldn't stop trying. No, who and definitely believed, didn't oh, he? Yeah, yeah, and a good fighter. Yeah. But Dillian, you know, he's so underrated. The jab was outstanding. I mean, he's like 50 jabs around. I think you gave me that stat or something like that. The body punching was so good. So every time Rivas got momentum... He would hurt him. He would just yeah. slow him down a little yeah. bit. He got put down himself. One thing about Dillian White, it's always thrilling. You know, always thrilling. Because I see him in the second round. Watch, he's just a, he's a madman. He's like, as soon as he smelt blood, that was it. And well, even Rebus, people like Jerry, um, Jerry Cooney says yeah. he really reminds me of that group yeah. from the 70s and 80s who all fought yeah. each other. There's, he's just got... He, he is he's a, still learning. You know, what did he have? Four correct. amateur fights? Seven yeah. amateur yeah. fights? Or something so, like that. So what... what 
you know, having reflected on the weekend, what do you do with him next? Because he's going to wait a year for a world title, isn't he? A bit less, hopefully, but he's mandatory. And that's golden, and no one can take that away from him. So what do you do in November, December? He's only got one fight in between this fight and the world championship fight. So for me, it's to have a tough fight, but not don't go too mad. Yeah. But he made a great point. He said, I don't want easy fights. He said, they're the dangerous ones. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to get beaten by someone I shouldn't. I want to get myself up for it. I know, I know that I've got to have a war. So in that respect, we'll have to see what happens. But for now, have a rest, another brutal 12-round fight for him. And, uh, you know, start pushing for that mandatory position. Finally, and very briefly, uh, Andy Ruiz over the weekend in America saying, you know, Eddie Hearn's trying to get me to go to Cardiff in December, which we believe is December the 14th is the annotated date for the Cardiff location. Um, but I'm keen to have it in New York. Well, he said he'd be more comfortable to have it in New York. Correct. Sorry, yes. I'm more sure comfortable. Yeah. I'm sure he would. That, that, well, that, that made me want to do it in Cardiff even more. But, um, when do you expect it, a resolution we, we in will, this? We will let him know this week. Right. Whether you hear it or not, I'm not sure whether there'll be an official announcement this week. We'll certainly let his team know. Uh, I think December 14th is five months away, something like that. So You're settled on, on Cardiff then, no, yeah? No, we're not settled on Cardiff. So it could still be November 29, New be, York. It could be, or it could be another territory as well. But they're still two of the favourites. Cardiff is the front runner. Yeah, I mean, someone just asked me a percentage, I don't know, 70% likely, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you could be in a position where we have Joshua Ruiz too, which is the biggest fight in boxing, and Campbell Lomachenko all in Britain within four or five months of each other, which is great because, you know, the, the rumour was that British boxing was all of a sudden going to America and et cetera, et cetera. So I like that momentum and it would be immense, huge, huge. So we'll see what happens this week. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. Hope you're well. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davies uh, alongside me. Last weekend, obviously, we were in attendance at the O2 Arena to watch uh, a fantastic uh, British led uh, card. Um, meanwhile, over in the United States of America, Las Vegas and Nevada um, had uh, the majority of the world's attention because it was uh, the unification of the WBA welterweight titles. I know that sounds bonkers, but <laughs> one was a regular champion, one was a super champion, uh, and they went in there and they literally went toe-to-toe. A really captivating fight between Manny Pacquiao uh, and Keith Thurman. The betting favourite going into it was Keith Thurman. He was the younger, bigger, stronger chap. But Manny Pacquiao, the 40-year-old uh, Filipino, came through the and got the job done in sensational style, rolling back the years uh, to a time where uh, we saw him at lighter weight uh, categories, uh, dominating people in his mid-twenties. Before we get on to various things and aspects of this fight, got to take your hat off, because if all is what it seems, Manny Pacquiao was sensational last week. Yeah, he was. And listen, I mean, people can say all they want about Manny Pacquiao. He's never tested positive for a single drug in his entire career, a banned substance in his entire career. Can I just throw something on that? 
because we know that there was no VADA testing for this fight. So well, I'm just yeah, it's I'm hard just to fail ranting. something. It's hard to fail something that you're not being tested for. No, but no, but he's had 71 fights, Adam. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is like, yes, that maybe there should have been VADA testing. Um, does it, do, on that then on that because he stipulates that there is no VADA testing. Does it cast a shadow over all the things that he's? No, I, not for me. Why not sign up for it then? And why not do um, it? It doesn't for me. I mean, there was testing going into the. Um, Mayweather fight, remember, um, which is the biggest fight of his career. He got beaten that. He got beaten that night. Um, yeah, but he, I, I, I always thought Mayweather would beat him. Uh, three years earlier, Mayweather might not have beaten him. Beaten him. Um, they had asked for an injection for Pacquiao's shoulder, if you recall. Yeah. Bob Aaron revealed that minutes afterwards in his in his angst over the the way the fight went. Um, that the commission, Bob Bennett and the commission had denied Pacquiao an injection into his shoulder. You can understand fans, though, maybe casting a shadow over for fans. When he doesn't sign up for VADA, they think they, they will put two and two together and make their own conclusions. If he got rid of that shadow, then all of a sudden we're looking at a guy that is 100% in the greatest of all time conversation. Well, he's, I mean, it, it depends. It depends if... It depends how you want to look at Manny Pacquiao at this stage in his career. Um, I, I do agree with you that he, I do agree with you that he um, looked terrific. I think what he did manage to show is that he comes from an era of brilliant welterweights. Um, he is an eight-weight world champion for a reason, that he destroyed the likes of Antonio Margarito and, and Oscar De La Hoya late in his career for a reason. Um, that he is an extraordinary character. You know, he started off in a cardboard box in a shantytown, remember? You know, and stowed away at the age of 14, 15 to go and box and work on a building site in, in on the and left Mindanao to go to uh, Manila. Um, he grew up in abject poverty and people like him have extraordinary survival skills. He is driven... You know, they say there's no welfare state in the Philippines, but when Manny Pacquiao's there, there is one. Because people line up. What is it? Is it 20 million that he's given away of, of oh, career it's, earnings? It's crazy oh, money oh, that oh, he's no, given away. I think it's probably 200 million. Really? Oh, no, it's ridiculous amounts. Remember, he's built hospitals. He's 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 um, built um, ambulance stations. He's built houses. He's built schools. He's, 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 he's allowed his name. I remember Lucia McKelvey, who was a business, a commercial manager for Top Rank for a while when Pacquiao was managed uh, promoted by Top Rank who said that Pacquiao had agreed to so many people using his name for commercial projects when she was trying to draw it all into a ball for him wow. they couldn't track them all down Manny Pacquiao grapes Manny Pacquiao um, <laughs> mangoes Manny Pacquiao rubbers wow. Ma Manny Pacquiao condoms Manny Pacquiao Manny Pacquiao, Pacquiao condoms whatever it is you know I'm kind of I'm, 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 I'm being poetic but the, the, if we can call condoms poetic but the, the, the point being that his generosity knew no bounds, you know. He, he literally, and, th and this is a great argument, actually. If you compare the greatest 147 fighters of our generation anyway, it is Manny Pacquiao and, and Floyd Mayweather. Now, if you look at Manny, what Manny Pacquiao has given back to his society and his people, there's absolutely no question that he is, is created a sensational legacy from boxing and his people. a lot of people will benefit. But if you look at Mayweather, what's he given back to Flint, Michigan? Well, I... I... Has he I, built a hospital? I don't think he has. No, but I... He's bought I, a few Maybach, I, I, you know, I, I, cars. What's funny about Floyd, I had a very 
kind of intimate day with him. I mean, I've been very lucky around Floyd as well. Not many people get to spend time close around him and, and, and even be recognised by him. Um, but um, I spent enough time around him over about a decade to... Um, well, I've interviewed him on stage. That was amazing to talk about his life at, at, a, at a, you know, at a, a black tie evening once in Birmingham at the NEC. But the best day I had with him ever, really outside the boxing, was, and, and there's an irony at the end of it, was um, going to a project where he, you know, he put on his builder's belt and had had given the money for three families. Who, who new homes had been built for mm. in Las Vegas. And I went with a guy called Steve Carp, who used to be the, the boxing correspondent of the Las Vegas Re- Review Journal. And this is a few years back. And he was so sweet with the people. He was, he really was. It really meant a lot to him. And, he, and he'd shelled out 300,000 or, or, or maybe it was 160,000 a house, I think. Mm-hmm. And he did this once a year and it was part of his... That's a great project. story. No, it was, no, it's, but I think a couple of days later he tweeted that he put 600 grand on a, a better yeah, 600 exactly. grand on a, uh, on a basketball game and he'd won 900. But the, but the thing is, I did see him in that moment and, you know, he's got children and I've met his children. They're so cool. They're so sweet. I remember one of his daughters is like... She's a moody little twelve-year-old, or she was. They all are, aren't they? But, oh. but they're so cool, and then he's so he's so loving with them. And when when Floyd got to forty, just about forty, and I, I remember having some chats with him about maturing as a person. He's just got that thing. He he he's been amazing at marketing himself, amazing at creating his own brand, and I think what. He has done, Adam, for a section of the community. Manny Pacquiao is from the Philippines. There's 110 million of them. They're almost like the nicest people on earth, Filipinos. There's, I, I don't know a nasty Filipino, Frank. I've not met one. And, and I know a lot of them. Because if you write about Manny Pacquiao, you get stopped by Filipinos all over the world. Ah, you're in Manny the movie. <laughs> Davis, Davis. I get it all the time. That's a great but, impression. But it, <laughs> <laughs> Of a Welshman. Yeah. <laughs> but with Floyd, I think Floyd's is iconic for some of the cultures in America for representing yourself in the way you want to do it, not doing it by convention. You know, he's like a rap artist in a way. Do you know what I mean? He's got that... And when you're with him, he's got that vibe about him as well. He's got... You can be a subvert. You can come from nothing. You can come from Flint, Michigan. You can come from the tough streets, but you can be who you want to be. And you can have the polished teeth and, mm. the, and the great smile, and you can be as wealthy as I am. He's, and I think he, I think he represents that group in an amazing way. That's a fair and he comment. Gives hope to people. That's a fair know? comment. When you when, when we talk Manny Pacquiao uh, in the ring, what's next for him? He's now the, the the legit WBO welterweight champion of the world. He's forty years of age. You look around that welterweight division. There are some absolute killers. We know we've got Spence versus. Porter coming up. Porter in the aftermath of the fight was touting, if I come through my fight with Spence, I'd like to dance with you, uh, Manny Pacquiao. We've got Terence Crawford, who for me is the best of the lot. I know I say it every week, but that's where I'm at. I don't want Manny Pacquiao's career being ended that way. Um, So that brings more fuel to my fire of coming to the Middle East to fight Amir Khan. What do you reckon? Well, my dream night would be Manny Pacquiao coming to the UK and fighting Conor Ben and Josh Kelly in the same night. Yeah. Because that would be an amazing card. <laughs> what? Well, they're what? eight and nine with the WBA. That's okay. all. all right. um, I, I, but that's my. That's a kind of fantasy scenario that it's never going to happen. At the same time, they might have a chance. Yeah, they exactly. <laughs> no, but I think no disrespect they, to they, them. But no, but it would be fun to watch, wouldn't it? One after the other. Um, in reality, 
Um, he is so ambitious. Um, you know, we know that Spencer's Earl Spence, the IBF champion, is fighting Sean Porter next, isn't he? The yep. WBC champion. That's that sign still delivered for September. Yeah. yeah, we know the WBO champion Terence Crawford is promoted by Bob Arum, his old promoter. I believe so he might fight. he might have a mandatory situation. Yep. So, um, you know, Manny Pacquiao. Can, well, he can choose whoever he wants, frankly. But Amir Khan. I don't know. I mean, he's... There's a lot of money in the Middle East, Gareth. No, no, they will pay. Of, listen, I think he could, he could go up to his greatest earnings. Uh, well, not not the level of... Not Floyd. The, not, not 120 million, that, that he, 150 million that he earned. He could command Floyd. He could command 30, 30 million. 40, 30, yes, I agree. I, th- I think there's a major, major fight to be made from there. My, my problem with the fight is that it's too easy for Manny Pacquiao. Mm. I think he destroys Amir Khan. I but think it's three exciting fast Are rounds. either of them bothered about that when there's 30 million on the table for each man in the Middle East for the WBA welterweight championship of the world? I don't think Amir Khan is. Well, I think Manny Pacquiao should take that fight because I think it's an easy fight for him, certainly judging by the way he looked against Keith Thurman, by the way, in Las Vegas, because I I kind of digressed in a huge way about him. Mm. Um, because, you know, I, ca- I can't, having covered I don't know, 15 years of his career, I'm, I'm so... I'm such a Pacquiao file, if yeah. you like. No, that, that, listen, I'm, I'm we so all are. amazed by him. We all are. Listen, I've spoken to many people about this this week. We want to believe the dream. He looks we... at me like I'm a freak whenever I'm near him well, as well, which you, I really enjoy. You are. Uh, no, <laughs> we, we want to believe the dream of Manny Pacquiao. That's what we want to yeah, believe. I mean, look I, at him. Yeah. He is everything that boxes. I romanticise him. I do, course I course do romanticise you've just, him. You've just told some wonderful stories about everything he's doing for the Filipino people. He is the poster boy of boxing. Look at him. Eight-weight world champion. Fantastic. The way that he's still fighting at 40 years of age. The way that he's going about his political business. We want to sit here and we want to go, that's it. That's, that's, that's our sport. That's yeah. our guy. Yeah. But... We know what 40-year-old bodies look like. We know what 40-year-old fighters look like. They don't look like Manny Pacquiao. So therefore, until for me, he goes, right, lads, we're doing VADA testing for every single one of my fights. Then that shadow, because people will cast that shadow, gets thrown away, and then everybody can start to believe in the dream of Manny Pacquiao. Uh, Do stick with us. Uh, We've got plenty more to talk about uh, on the show before we finish, including a bit of UFC. There was a bit of uh, British... um, success last week a really good performance from Leon Edwards we're going to talk about it in a moment or two don't go anywhere this is fight night Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Always a pleasure to be in your company. If you've missed any part of the show, by the way, you can get this uh, via podcast, and I will encourage you to do that every single time I open my mouth because I'm sure you already know this. It's the most listened to podcast that we do here at TalkSport, and we want to keep that fire burning. We don't want to get caught up by any other show. Got to keep our jobs, Gareth. That's what we've got to do, haven't we? So please, subscribe to Fight Night uh, via your provider, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Google Play, whatever it may be. Uh, and then you'll never miss any of our content uh, that comes to you on a week-by-week basis. Um, I know that we've just spoken about uh, Manny Pacquiao and the potential of maybe fighting uh, uh, Amir Khan. Quite interesting to see Amir Khan doing a little bit of backtracking this week. He was doing an event in London, and uh, a couple of our guys at TalkSports took microphones in his faces, uh, and he uh, tells us that he was told by his people... Uh, that uh, Manny Pacquiao had signed a contract. Turns out not to be the case, G. Well, look, um, Amir Khan is the one that needs the fight more than Manny Pacquiao needs it. Agreed. Um, Manny Pacquiao can fight anywhere in the world against anyone and command huge fees for it. Um, You know, we've heard this before, though, with Amir, where 
you know, we heard it was close to him. He was close to getting the Floyd Mayweather fight, and it wasn't to be. Now, I don't know whether Amir was PRing himself around this, and the people, his business associates were saying, no, no, we've got him all tied up, because he wouldn't have been doing the negotiations himself. Mm. It depends what he's been told. We both agree that that fight would work in the Middle East. I think it's an easy fight for Pacquiao. And like I say, it's easy money. It's also uh, a real seller. And I think I think it is still a box office fight, mm. purely based on the story that they were both trained by Freddie Roach. They did dozens and dozens of rounds of sparring together. And and Manny doesn't agree with is Amir it- that... that Amir got the best of him at times. When you say it's a box office fight, do you do you truly believe that it is pay-per-view here in the UK, that? Definitely. You know that because there'll be outrage. They know that they go crazy when it's pay-per-view. Yeah, well, it's, you know... No, if last weekend at the O2 Arena was pay-per-view, if you stack that card with some great fights with Amir Khan against Manny Pacquiao as the headline, I think it's a pay-per-view card. Mm. Definitely. I'm... I'm And at this moment in time, there will be a world title on the line, the WBA uh, welterweight world championship. Would you would you envisage? And again, I don't want to jump the gun here because I'm getting I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of the game. But would you imagine that if that fight can be signed, sealed and delivered for November the 8th, because that's his next day, Amir Khan in the Middle East. Do you imagine that being his last one? I think it should be. And whatever was, happens. I think whatever happens. Well, <laughs> well, if he goes out there and he has an amazing 12-round fight against Manny Pacquiao where they're both up and down and, you know, they both look amazing. And But is that not the perfect way to bow out? He's nothing left to prove to me. Uh, he has nothing left to prove. There's no question about it. It would be the perfect way to bow out. But we can't retire anyone. No. Nope. It's up to them to do it. And Amir clearly has ambition to keep going. I mean, I, you know, when he... Um, fought Billy Dibb, who we all, you know, it was ridiculous, frankly. The Billy Dibb fight in the end when, um, when I can't remember his name now, Goyat, um, Nuraj, yeah, yeah. Nuraj Goyat, Goyrat, was injured uh, in the car accident. Um, we all knew that Billy Dibb was actually a boxer from three weight divisions to l- below at his very best. Um, retired and, as well. And retired, <laughs> you know, and kind of came out with, he, he actually thought it was a prank yep. when he was first asked to fight. Obviously, it was... It wasn't just a gimme for Amir Khan. It was a, I don't know, it was a signed, sealed and delivered victory almost. I mean, and you could see early on, Dib was thinking, if I land, I'm going to knock him out. But obviously, Khan's speed really told. And we watched a fight from Amir Khan, a performance where he literally could do whatever fencing he wanted to do and just destroy the guy when he when he felt like it. And that's what he did. Mm. Um, I, I Listen, Everybody knows my thought process on Amir Khan. Every time he has a fight made, I'm straight onto social media defending him and his record and uh, and people's attitudes towards him, which which upsets me a little bit because I think if you've been a boxing fan for a long period of time, you understand what he has achieved and what he's given to British boxing. This is a young man that was way before the 2012 Olympics. He was one of the guys that probably pioneered a lot of that funding. The reason why people ploughed money into Sheffield and ploughed money into boxing and Team GB and Olympic programmes is because of the successes of Audley Harrison, the James DeGales of this world, and a 17-year-old kid called Amir Khan. He was at the forefront of all that. Yeah, when lottery funding came in, of course, um, it really transformed everything. It's been 20 years, and look what's happened to um, just not just 
boxing, but boxing really does lead the way. But judo's had success. Taekwondo's cycling, cycling, cycling as well. Yeah, cycling, rowing, you know, all those other, all the sitting down sports. We're not involved in sitting down All my favourite sports. Rowing, <laughs> cycling, horse riding. <laughs> We've done really well in those in the Olympics. No, I, I just, I, I kind of. Um... But, but you know, in, in the fight sports, in the combat sports, we've done extraordinarily well as well, uh, but nowhere more so than boxing. And, and a conveyor belt of success has come about, and it's created more and more and more people that want to get involved, not just the success at the top end, but, you know, there are 90 athletes of whatever differing levels and ages on the podium kind of process, as they call it, you know, um, for, you know, from playground to podium, where there are just conveyor belts of talent mm. and backup talent. You know, I'm really excited about Fraser Clark going to Tokyo or um, Caroline Dubois going to Tokyo. You know, we, we, we Fraser Clark could quite easily win the gold medal. He could have gone to Rio, but Joe Joyce went and said, Fraser Clark's been around the amateur system mm. for the same time as Anthony Joshua and Joe Joyce. You know so we've got just got so much backup talent. On that, just on that, um, I kind of like the attitude now of uh, a lot of these guys staying in the amateur game for as long as they possibly can because of the dreams of getting themselves to the Olympics, competing at the Olympics, and hopefully meddling at the Olympics. The importance of it now seems to be a real prominent force in, in, in boxing and the marketing tool because we've seen, haven't we, we've got a fight coming up between Vasyl Lomachenko and Luke Campbell. That 100% is being marketed as Olympic gold medalists going head-to-head -head against each other. Yeah, it was the same when, you know, when Pavetkin fought Joshua. It was brilliant to hear that it was two Olympic gold medalists. You know, because Muhammad Ali was an Olympic gold medalist. Um, you know, um, Vladimir Klitschko was an Olympic gold medalist. Lennox Lewis was an Olympic gold medalist. Um, you've got this lineage. It's the prestige of it, it isn't is it? It is the prestige because, you know, you've got the world championships that are very prestigious within the industry, but the world watches the Olympics. Have you seen this guy? Have you seen that guy? You know, without without the Olympics, Usain Bolt wouldn't be the global star that he is, mm. you know? Um, so it's an opportunity. It's, it's the opportunity for the sport to showcase what it's really all about. That's why, rather like um, doping in boxing, rather like drug testing in boxing, that you've rightly said so powerfully tonight on the show that needs to be streamlined and be transparent exactly the same way that the IEBA, the the, the world's <laughs> governing body for the amateur part of the sport. Yeah. Remember, we're about to go into a Tokyo Olympics where the IOC yep. are running the qualification tournaments. They don't start till January, hmm. January to May, because it's been taken out of the hands of IEBA, the world governing body. And um, the current president has just been removed yeah. because that is what the IOC required. Um, and because there was, there has been over several corruption, games, corruption in the sports, power bases, um, you know, all kinds of things that... Uh, it's a mess. Hopefully now well, we can move, we can yeah. now move forward. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, there was a threat earlier on this year, wasn't there, that boxing might not necessarily be at Tokyo 20... Uh, uh, at the Tokyo Games. So I'm delighted that it's all getting yeah. sorted out and now we can hopefully move forward. And the likes of... Uh, uh, Young Dubois can get her opportunity and do and do the business uh, in Tokyo. Now, um, we're going to talk UFC. Make sure you stick around because Leon Edwards was sensational last weekend and he has jumped up the rankings. How far is he off 
maybe becoming the next UFC world champion from these shores. We'll talk about it in a moment on Fight Night. Welcome to the jungle. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. We don't just do boxing, we do mixed martial arts as well. And the UK pioneer of mixed martial arts was in town this week promoting his book. He's also quite a decent DJ back in the day. DJ Mikey B from Clitheroe, the one and only Michael Bispin, caught up with my mate Gareth A. Davis in the back of a car. Random, I know, but here they are. I'm with the fighting spirit himself. It's where it all began for me in MMA with you and now I've got to read your story. I knew a lot about yes. it in there, but I'm so glad you you decided to kind of tell it warts and all sure. as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I had to, you know, I mean, um, a lot of books, if you read them, fighter books, you would think they never had a tough fight in their life or a tough day, you know, it's all, they glamorize themselves. Unfortunately for myself, um, you know, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, and I had to be honest about it. There were certain things that I haven't spoke about until now, you know, but uh, if you're going to do a book, you've got to be honest, you've got to tell the truth. One of the big things, and you made it in your Hall of Fame yep. ceremony speech. In fact, I don't think you were meant to break it at no, that I moment. No, I wasn't. But, but, but you were a bit, it's always... Look, you and I, we haven't had rows down the years. We've had disagreements every now and again because you're an emotional character yep, yep. about... You are just an emotional character. What 100%. I love about... And you're very honest, though, Mike, as yeah, well. I try to be. No, no, but you are, but you're, you're And honest. sometimes that's a fault. Sometimes I, yeah. I'm, I'm honest to a fault. Sometimes mm. I've got to learn to bite my tongue a little bit, you know? Yeah, but you said... In, you, but you'd said, and I thought it was brilliant, and that's why I was so pleased to hear it live the first time you said it. I did the wrong thing in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even that serious. We didn't know how serious it was. You got involved in something, in altercations, and you went to prison. When you are in there, you thought, what the hell am I doing here? Yep. And it taught you never to be captured again, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, never to get yourself in the position to be captured again. Yeah, well, no, 100%. You know, I mean, unfortunately, when I was younger, I got in a few scraps here and there, and you think it's no big deal, but you, you can't behave like that. And so, you know, I was on the wrong side of the law a few times and uh, I, I thought it was just, you know, I was just got a slap on the wrist. I'm like, so what, you know? So, but then on this occasion, the judge sent me to prison and uh, it taught me a very valuable lesson. And I thank that judge because I probably wouldn't have learned that lesson had I not done that. So, Because uh, everything's taken away, isn't it? Everything's taken away. Well, li- literally, I was in a maximum security prison, locked up 24 hours a day. Do you have any fights when you were in there? No, I didn't. No, no. I was locked in my cell the whole time. You really? went downstairs in the morning, got your breakfast, took it back to your cell and ate it there slid the plate through a, uh, slid the plate through a little hole in the door lunch go down get your food eat it in your cell dinner go down get your food eat it in your cell Once so people a week, were more worried about you than you were about them and they thought who's that lunatic yeah. it's never allowed out <laughs> I was only in for public order it was a bit of a bit of an overreaction uh, so I, I, I got but I've been out with you late at night and ten men can't hold you down uh, and you've had a few as yeah, well, well do you well, remember our night in Bar Italia I do you I don't do. remember it I do remember so I do remember <laughs> shut up get it <laughs> Edit this bit out, edit this bit out. No, there was something dripping on the back of your neck and you thought it was someone throwing ice cubes at you. Do you remember? <laughs> I do. All those years ago when we used to do Ultimate Talk. Yeah, and yeah, we'd, yeah. We'd go out uh, and what was What was that sports Beat it For BT Sport as well. Was it Satanta? It was on Satanta, Satanta. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, no, but the great thing is, that's what's so lovely sitting with you. You're telling that story, but... You've grown up so much. Oh, you, you've yeah. become so accomplished as a as a broadcaster, as a as a as a raconteur. 
you know, you know, I've always loved telling the stories of fighters, but you love telling the stories of yeah. fighters and what goes on as well, don't you? No, absolutely, I do, and that's why. I mean, I do a podcast, believe you me, but I, I, I have a great time doing that because believe love, you me, believe you me, because I love talking about the fight game, and of course, the guy I do it with Lewis, he's a funny comedian as well. So we have, we have a good old time. Sometimes we get a little too carried away, and we, we can, might get a little controversial at times, but we're just having fun. We don't mean any offense to anybody. But yeah, the fight game was was very good to me. You know, it enriched my life in ways that I never imagined possible. Um, that's why I stuck around for so long because that was my security blanket. You know, all I ever knew was fighting. But then I retired, I stepped away, and you know, so far so good. I mean, the first time I met you was 2006, I think. You just won the Ultimate Fighter. Yep. I came to see you fight Rashad, who I've just uh -huh. been speaking to recently right. in in um, New Jersey. In New Jersey. We all had our tin helmets on. I even shouted, you'd come over to whip some American butt at the press yeah, conference. Yeah, do you yeah. remember? At I the, do. At the weigh-in. I do. Not realising that I'd uh, in, instilled the wrath of about 5,000 <laughs> Americans. But from there, there, from there on, you know, I mean, I haven't covered every single fight of yours, but kind of I've covered and followed or watched in detail your entire career. I've worked with you on TV at BT Sport. Uh -huh. your, your, your career as the book... Quitters never win. Mm. Um, your your journey in those three semi-finals, if you like, yep. till you got to the world title, yep. is extraordinary. And also, I can remember sitting in my old car doing a podcast That's with you. That's right. Once, I remember you, it well. And you, and you we were in we Brit Lane. Curry. We went for a Brit Curry Brit Lane, and you said to me, "I will not be happy if I don't tell, if I can't tell my grandchildren when we pipe and slippers that I never fought Anderson Silva oh, in yeah. my division in the best of the era." Yep. No, one hundred percent. And so, you've done it. Yeah. A, a lot of and the, you won. A lot of the <laughs> questions are, "So what was the highlight of your career?" And yeah. I say, "Well, it's hard to pinpoint that because I always wanted to face Anderson, which I did that, and I won. So that, for me at that time, that was, you know, the highlight. Then I fought for the belt." on short notice and I won that so that was obviously a highlight but then defending the belt in Manchester on UK soil With, against Dan Henderson against Dan Henderson in that, a weird hour at 6 o'clock in the bloody morning <laughs> so that, that, that that was definitely a highlight you know, as you well. were good at that because you practice leaving nightclubs and having fights at six. <laughs> no but it was weird that night wasn't it no 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 it was it was a pain and, in and, the and, ass. and it was a very it was i don't mean it was a carbon copy of the first fight yeah but it was very similar to the first fight yeah no, I got and you had to go down you get up yeah, it, it's, yeah. it was amazing well really. i kicked the crap out of him for five rounds yeah. but i got caught with two good shots that, that nearly knocked you didn't get outclassed and i didn't get outclassed guys that's what he said in his first write-up i'm like you're full of <laughs> 100 i said you I did talked not to me for a year well, 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 that's because you didn't talk to me, Gareth. You didn't talk to me because I wasn't the flavour of the month anymore. He didn't want to talk to me. He just walked right past me. He came into my dressing room before a fight. I thought, oh, Gareth's coming up for a few words. He's walking towards me, and he goes right past me. To, to John me. Jones or whatever. No, to Dan Hardy. Was it Dan I'm Hardy? I'm like, so Gareth can go himself. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you but know. But we still hug and kiss and make oh, up whenever we course, see each other. Of course, of course. 100%, mate. It's been a lot of fun and good times. When you did the Hall of Fame ceremony speech a couple of weeks ago, yep. I thought you were choking back tears every now and again. I was. I was, definitely. I mean, I didn't realise what a momentous occasion that would be, to be honest. A lot of people said, how's it feel, Hall of Fame? And I was kind of... Uh, I was kind of indifferent about it. I was like, oh, you know, it, it, yeah, it's cool. It's great. It's great. But until I got there on the moment... Auto queue. Yeah, well, no, that's right. They had a, a speech in the auto queue. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to wing it. Speak from the heart. It's better. But also, and this sounds bad as well, they're like, what, you know, how's it feel you've been put in the Hall of Fame? A part of me was like, well, I should 
think so. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest, you know, you know, I, I give my heart and soul you have. for that company and, and literally uh, parts of my body. Do you know what I mean? And and you know, I did some good things that I'm proud of. But uh, until it came, I didn't realise, as I say, what a monumentous occasion it was. You won the belt, which you wanted so much. You 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 avenged defeat to Luke Rockholds. You beat Dan Henderson and avenged that defeat. You beat Anderson Silva again on another incredible night, wasn't it? That one in oh, London. Oh my word! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that fight in London was. Uh, I mean, the, the I, levels I, of yourself you had to go into to, to win. Yeah, these absolutely. Well, that, that that's why I'm glad it happened the way it did. You know, the adversity mm. I had to fight through in rounds four and five because he caught me with that knee in round three. Everyone thought the fight was over. My face was bust up. There was blood everywhere. I had about 50 stitches in my face, and everyone thought I was done. But I got up and you know I dug deep, and uh, you know I'm glad that happened because it made it much more epic. It was really incredibly epic. I remember interviewing you both over in East London um, for BT Sport that week yep. in the build-up show. And you said to me, and Jason Perillo, who's obviously been amazing for you as a coach, um, in the latter part of your career, very much so, and kind of um, kind of honed your technique, I think, and Home your strategies technique, and your more, calmness. More, yeah, more, yeah, more yeah. the mind. Yeah, that, with that, Brian Kane and all did. those kind yep. of guys as well. Uh -huh. You know, um, I just remember you saying, you watch. I'm going to beat this guy. Yeah, this, yeah. I am not leaving that octagon until I've beaten him. Oh, no, you yeah, know? for sure, absolutely. You would have had to kill me to stop me that night, which, unfortunately, he nearly did. <laughs> no, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't been within kissing distance with you for a no, while. No, yeah, well, don't but, don't plan on singing the lips on me, Gareth, because um, it's 2019 and God bless to all other men, but uh, I don't swing that way. Me neither, but well, <laughs> the, the point I'm making is I'm really near. I'm looking at your eyes. And oh, look, yes, yes. Uh, now, for, for ages, mm. I had seen a very dark right eye, I think. Yeah, well, no, it, and is. It, it looks really so much weller now. Yeah, um, and yeah. that's part of the body you've given to this cause. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. This is this is fake as well, Gareth. It's a prosthetic. Is it really? It's a prosthetic. Yeah, I could shock you right now and pull it out. But are you being it, serious? I'm being deadly serious. Yeah. So there's no eye anymore. No, there's a prosthetic. That's why it looks so good. That's why it looks normal. So you are one-eyed now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so sorry yeah. to hear. Nah, that. it's all good. It is what it is. It's a little it's seeing everything in two D as its challenges. Um, and I pretty much fought the last five of my career, five years of my career with one eye. You know, uh, passing the medicals was very, very difficult. I did it by the skin of my teeth. Uh, but yeah, fighting in two D and living in two D definitely has its challenges. But uh, no was it too no damaged for the repair then? Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Totally gone. Totally gone. Uh, the nerve endings are all shot, completely dead. See, the, the, the retina uh, detached and it redetached, and then I got a really, really bad case of glaucoma, mm. and it just killed all the nerve endings. So nothing can ever be done. So the oil that was in there for that period of time, yeah. was just preserving the eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well there's a lot of that was said along the way, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? To uh, appease doctors and commissions and things like that, you know. So. Uh, but the so, you, so you you the oil was in there to fix the detached retina, yeah, you yeah. know. But then and then it redetached. But then once once the glaucoma came, it came, it, it it caused everything to be uh, it was just a waste of time. It was a really really bad case of glaucoma. So people's uh, eye pressure normally between nine and twenty. As long as it's between that, it's fine. And this doctor said the highest he'd ever seen was seventy-five. I was in extreme agony one day, the worst pain ever. I was howling at the top of my voice for hours until three o'clock in the morning. When I saw a doctor, the pressure was ninety-seven. He said he'd never even heard of it being that high. My head felt like it was going to explode. It was so mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah. So there you go. So, so the George St. Pierre fight, the the Kelvin Gastelum fight, the 
Dan Henderson fight. Dan Henderson the, fight. The, the, Anderson the, the Anderson Silva and fight. Rockholds. The Rockhold fight. You, you had to like the CB Dalloway fight. The Kung 20, Lee fight. Twenty percent vision. I'd say more like five percent. Wow, wow, that makes it even more extraordinary well, now. Well, yeah, I guess. Or, or more stupid, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, but you, you've always, I mean, you, you... When I look back now, like just recently something came on TV. I don't sit around watching my old fights, you know, I'm not that guy. But something came on TV recently and afterwards I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the champion, blah, 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 blah. I sit back and I watch that now. I think, Jesus Christ, what was this guy on? What was he thinking? Where did that confidence and that blind faith come from, you know? Because now it's so stupid and foolish to be in there risking my vision on my good eye, which I have done after the Gastelum fight. I now have a vitreous detachment in my good eye. So I get a lot of flashes and uh, issues with my good eye. So that's why I stepped away. But to uh, to look back at that guy that was risking it, all that and still fighting at such a high level, it's mind-blowing. It's crazy. Having... Now I'm a granddad myself, by mm. the way. Oh, well, congratulations. You know, yeah, no, it's amazing. And I've seen, obviously, I saw Callum yep. uh, there, and obviously he's a, a, a very good wrestler now. Yes. Saw all your children growing up at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, your yeah. wife's still very beautiful. Oh, thank and you. she spoke, of course, introduced yep, you. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, um, one of the things I've noticed, I mentioned being a granddad, you know, me in my 50s now, is that we all grow up together and we see the cycle of life. Yes. And that that desire to fight, that desire... Uh, that feeling of invincibility mm. leaves all of us in whatever oh, sphere or neuro tribe we belong yep, to. Yep, Do you yep. know what I mean? No, I, I, and, absolutely. And, and, and so you're gonna, you're enjoying a maturity now where you can probably say, "Someone, stop being." turn around and walk the other oh, way now. Oh, yeah, yeah well, 100%. Whereas you couldn't do that before. I don't know you? about that, yeah. Well, I mean, I was never one to shy away from a confrontation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I've, I've, I've grown up massively, you know, and now, I mean, when I was younger, I was totally fearless. I, I literally thought... I could beat any man on the planet, and I was totally fearless. But uh, and you, you could, and you, you did. You get older, you grow up, and then you real, you know, it's like Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah, so I'm not the same man I used to be. I've, uh, I've, I've mellowed. But you are now a, 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 a brilliant broadcaster, Thank if I can say much. that. I, I you worked so that. hard at it, you know, as well. Yep. Um, I still critique you when you don't do it right. When yeah, you have yeah. a go at someone in another studio and sure, you swear. Sure. And I go, best thing swearing, no! no I haven't sworn on TV. I've never done that once. No, no, when you, when, with, I, we won't go into it now. No, come on, time, but real quick. Cody Garbrandt. Uh, no, not Cody no, Garbrandt. No, uh, Corby Covington. I Corby never Covington. swore. I never swore. But, but I was really... Sub- I, know, I know that you came out. He came out the gate attacking me. You were calling him a... Or something, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, not on air. No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't swear on air. I'm, I'm professional. I'm on Fox Sports. I'm not going to swear on TV. Um, but I was very surprised. He attacked my eye. Uh, okay. He attacked my eye. He attacked everyone else on the thing. He came out the gate, and he, he, he thrives in those controversial moments. So I thought, okay, I'll be a sparring partner for you. This is what you want to do. You want to create some buzz, some hype. Yeah, you got the perfect match here, buddy. Because I'll give you as good as you get. And people can talk all they want, but we're talking about it now. And it was a good moment, and probably the best thing here. Dead. <laughs> the great thing is that if you'd been in the same weight division, you'd have ended up having a fight. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, um, probably in the car park. Yeah, exactly. Um, listen, it's brilliant to catch up with you. I, I celebrate the fact that I've been involved in some ways in your and career. And I do too, Gareth. I do. It. I do. And, and that's. I'm sorry to cut you off there. That's one of the wonderful things that mixed martial arts has brought to me. I've met so many interesting people like yourself. Made a lot of friends. Uh, it, it's as as I said before. It's enriched my life in many ways that I never would have seen possible. Uh, this is Fight Night on Talk Sport. Now, I know that we always talk boxing, but we do like to splatter in a little bit of mixed martial arts with me and Gareth being huge fans. We like to get into the cage. Well, not necessarily us get in the cage, but we like to get into the talk of the cage, let's just say. 
Uh, and last weekend in San Antonio, one of our British stars did an absolute number on the former lightweight champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. He's gone under the radar as Leon Edwards. There's no question about that. His run at this moment in time of undefeated wins is second only to the current champion in the welterweight division, Kamaru Usman. He is legit. But maybe because he doesn't get on the microphone and rock it like the likes of a Darren Till, nobody knows too much about him. Now, I know you spent a little bit of time, actually, with Bispin this week, which you heard earlier on in the show. Michael Bispin, the only um, world champion in the UFC from the UK to this point. I actually saw a little tweet from him um, earlier on in the week where he said that Leon Edwards could be the second. Do you go along with that? Well, there's no question for me that Leon Edwards is the best pound-for-pound mixed martial artist in the UK at the moment, maybe in the whole of Europe. Um, I think he signalled that with the victory over Gunnar Nelson earlier on in the year. I think it was a tremendous victory. But what I like about him, um, and and he showed this against Rafael Dos Anjos, Anjos, um, is that you think about how good Dos Anjos' Brazilian jiu-jitsu is. And what I liked in this fight was Leon... Um, not only is he beautifully fluid, um, on the so kind of Caribbean yeah. in a way with his with his striking, he was so confident on the ground against Dos Anjos as well. Well, just imagine this for those that don't know too much about this sport. But Gareth's just making a reference there to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. If you're a black belt, you want this fight on the deck. You you want to be on your back. You want someone jumping on top of you, bringing you into your guard. That's exactly what you want. In the first round of no, this no, fight, in the no. first round of it, Leon Edwards took it to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. master, picked him up, dumped him on his back, yeah. just to prove, make a point, exactly. and saying, listen, mate, I don't care where this fight is, yeah. I'm going to give you a hiding. And he absolutely took it to him. What I liked was that, you know, in the sport, they say, you know, that you're taking it to... Um, the, the other person's backyard to fight, and he went straight oh. into Rio de Janeiro Did with him, didn't he? Do you Woof. know what I mean? He went straight in there, streets. He was in the favelas. That's where he was. He was in the Rocinante, which is <laughs> the big favela in in Rio de Janeiro. I went up there after a few drunk drinks at the Olympics. I bet you did. Didn't stay long. Yeah, I didn't stay. I was trying to find a club because mm. apparently the clubs in the in the in the favelas are the best. Anyway, mm. another long story. Um, <laughs> we, but, we'll but do what, that for fight night. We, extra. We'll do, yeah, <laughs> but um, but what I like about Edwards was. And I, I can't remember who's on the commentary. Uh, I think Dominic Cruz could not stop waxing lyrical about him, but he was right. Um, there is something about Edwards. He's got a great chin. Yep. He's so composed. He's, his timing is amazing. His elbows off the clinch are unbelievable. Oh, the elbows, yes, of course, off the clinch are amazing. Because um, he does those things where you think, yeah, you should do that now. When you're watching, obviously we can't do it physically, but he just does it. Yeah. Um, I think he has a fluency as a fighter and an IQ that we haven't seen since Bisping, yeah. frankly, since Bisping. And I think, you know, I, I think I went on record a few months ago saying, you know, someone said to me, oh, who's the best uh, mixed martial artist in the UK at the moment? And I just said Leon Edwards and there was no abuse back. So I, I you know, but when that, you know, when That's you do that on social media, yeah, you, you, there's, you think, think people are going, no, nah, I can't argue with that. And you can't argue with that. He's got a great training team. I'll tell you one thing as well. There was a lovely story or a very harrowing story where they wrote a first-person piece on ESPN last week in which he told the story of him and his brother, Fabian, obviously yep. who fights in Bellator, is a middleweight, is again not quite as accomplished yet as Leon. Not yet. But not, not yet, no. But again, a real specimen. And talking about growing up in uh, their house in Jamaica. yeah, Right, before in, they moved to Birmingham. Before yep. they moved to, in one hut. 
one room for all of them in abject poverty when it was a real struggle day to day. And you get a sense of where these guys have really come from. Mm. They're from a very tough part of Birmingham. Yep. But they are... Well, mixed martial arts saved him because the gym opened up on their road. That's how he managed to turn to it because he was getting himself in a lot of bother. The gym opened up at the end of the road and off he went. He, he, uh, he went and joined the local mixed martial arts gym and he's not turned back. But he, he, he said in that... Um, he said, why was I the one who made it off the streets of Kingston, Jamaica, who escaped the killing, the drugs and the poverty when so many others didn't? Mm. Um, I don't have the answer, really, but I do know I have a purpose. It's not just to be a UFC fighter or the future welterweight champion in the world. It's more than that. And I think when, when you know, you know what I'm like, I'm not necessarily romanticising it, but... There is something about this guy. Yeah. And I do think... He's a fascinating character to I, be around. Listen, the first thing he did was call out Jorge Masvidal. And that's... That, that, or this George is, Masvidal, this as is, he calls him. This has been one of my biggest critiques of Leon because he is so respectful. He's a, a student of the game. And this mm. is what mixed martial arts is built on, respecting of opponents yeah. and, and, and just going about your business in a more spiritual way because he is that character, no question about it. And I've said to him on many occasions... Get on the mic and rock it. You have got to transcend this sport. It's all right being mint inside the octagon. You've got to make noise to resonate with fans because this sport, UFC in particular, is built on entertainment. Dana and the matchmaker, Sean Shelby, will see what he's doing and go, all right, people want to see him in him with X, Y, and Z. The, he did the perfect thing. He's just beaten up the former lightweight champion in Dos Anjos. Brilliant performance. Got on the mic and called Jorge Masvidal the, right the weasel. He calls yeah. him a weasel. And as soon as he did it, I went... You've just nailed yourself a shot there. Yeah, he, he, and he does deserve that fight. When when we were at International Fight Week um, in, in the first week of July in Las Vegas, I did ask, obviously, Jorge Masvidal pulled off that incredible flying knee to knock out Ben Askren. I mean, I thought it was two seconds into the fight. It was. But it, yeah, but they've kind of called it four or something, haven't referee, they? Referee took three seconds to get across yeah, the yeah, octagon. Exactly. Yeah. Was that Goddard? Was that Mark Goddard? Um, was it Goddard? I don't know. I I'm not going to slag Mark Goddard I can't Goddard remember if it was Mark or not. It might have been the big fella. Um, but um, Miragliotta. Um, but I can't remember who it was, frankly. But um, but I remember Mark saying when when and I'm gonna I am on record as saying this, and I do believe when Jorge Masvidal sucker punched Leon Edwards in London after defeating um, Darren Till, um, the night that that Gunner was beaten by by Edwards. Um, uh, Mark Goddard said I really was concerned afterwards because I know how rough the Edwards boys can be when they're really upset about something. And he was genuinely concerned. But when I spoke to Jorge Masvidal, it was in fight week. It wasn't after the event. It was it was before. Um, I was saying, you know, come on, why aren't you fighting Edwards? Because Ben Askren's just said yeah. to me, if you'd done that, if he'd done that to me, I'd have said, I wouldn't have pressed police charges if you agreed to fight me next. That's how he'd have dealt with it. Obviously, Ben Askren got knocked down in two seconds, as we're saying. But um, when I asked Jorge, he said, no, Leon Edwards hasn't fought anyone yet. He needs to prove himself. But I think when that fight comes, I'd really think it could be a really, really big event and a really big event for our country. Mm. Um, the way I it think is this growing is, all the yeah, time. Yeah, the way I think that this is going to play out, I think Masvidal's the hottest prospect or the hottest talent at this moment in time in the welterweight division. I think even though he might not have earned his stripes in the welterweight division because he's a former lightweight, I think it will be sensible now from the UFC to stick him in wheelsman. Get him in there as a, at a world title shot. Then, we know that Colby Covington's fighting Robbie Lawler in a couple of weeks' time. The winner of that against Rocky, Rocky Edwards. Mm. And then you obviously fight, you, you get your super fight. And if Masvidal comes through, 
Wow. There's, there's two narratives there for Rocky Edwards because the last man to beat him is Kamara Usman. So <laughs> there's a great narrative there. And if Masvidal beats Usman, we know what the narrative is from London. I mean, mm. it's there. It's absolutely written in the stars for the kid. And I think, fingers crossed, uh, it, it it all pans out for him. Um, how he's we- only 27 as well, by the way. He's oh, yeah, he's only a young boy. You know. He's a, he's a sensational mixed martial artist. So if you are a, a big fan of the UFC uh, or even just a small fan of the UFC from listening to our show, I fully get on the uh, Leon Edwards train. And it was a decision over five rounds. It wasn't like he was beaten up. By it was a masterclass. Yeah, yeah. He di- for me, he didn't lose a round against the former world champion. Yeah, he yeah. was absolutely outrageous. I just want to quickly throw ahead to a fight that's happening in the early hours of the morning. Uh, we know that Max Holloway is taking on Frankie Edgar. If you look at these two guys, if you've seen a picture of them this week, you'd look at yourself and go, how's that fight going on? Because there's one small guy, one incredibly massive guy, but this is taking place at featherweight. We know that Max has stepped up recently to lightweight. He came short. He's back down at his more natural 145 pounds taking on Frankie Edgar this weekend. I personally think this is a brilliant fight, mainly because of what Frankie Edgar does in those first couple of rounds. His energy, his cardio is unbelievable and he needs to make Max work. If he doesn't make Max work, Max will take him to pay up take him to pieces no question about that I want to see Max uncomfortable in the first five minutes yeah I mean the thing is I mean I'm, I'm I don't know if you agree with me but I think Max Holloway in spite of the fact he, he lost he's a featherweight champion he lost at lightweight uh, recently um, for me I think the key is that Frankie Edgar has, has had such a long career now I mean I do always There's call 10 him, years difference between yeah, them yeah I, I, do you know what I, I call him when, I, when I'm with him champ I always call him champ because he's one of those guys. He's he will be the champion forever because mm. he he is that man. Um, but I think would you say he's, the, he's one of the first of the more rounded mixed martial artists? I mean, you always had specialists, didn't you? And Frankie Edgar seems to be able to be able to do the lot. Brilliant chain wrestling, yeah, and 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 great hands and great feet. Um, you know, and does he, it all at the same time? Well, well, <laughs> I think he was in his heyday almost like ten years ago. You know, the two wins over BJ Penn, which were extraordinary. Yeah, the 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 the, the trilogy with Gray Maynard that was just extraordinary. That again. was unbelievable. Now, now in a couple of those fights, they might have stopped those fights because he was so damaged. But he he just came back. I mean, he has been to the cash register, you know, a long, t- you know, and taken out cash, i.e. his chin and so on, for a long time. Two defeats to Benson Henderson, two defeats to Jose Aldo, Adam, and that defeat to Brian Ortega. That's the that's the one out, that's you know that's the concerning one because that's yeah. the time he got knocked out. Holloway is so brilliant at transitioning, so good at commanding the range. I just think too young too good now for Frankie and I think it's a good a good win for Holloway uh, thank you very much for listening to us this week it's been an absolute pleasure if you missed Deontay Wilder who's a top guest earlier on in the show it will be available on the podcast get subscribing to Fight Night on whatever platform if it's iTunes go there you can also get the rest via our website talksport.com lots to come in the world of fight sports over the next few weeks or so so make sure you're listening to the number one radio show when it comes to this stuff right here on TalkSport Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.